Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, September 29th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all for this first hour. No guests, no theme. I really don't have a lot to talk about this morning. Um, I'll probably blab for a little while till you pick up the phone and call. So lines are open. Jump in and join me, 855-950-3835. There's a lot going on in the economy right now, Uh, but most of it we're just sitting back and waiting to see how it's going to affect things. So we've got a looming government shutdown that looks like it might actually happen this time. I can't remember when we had a last shutdown. And I haven't been watching the news, so I'm not very well informed on any of this. But um, I'm trying to remember if we had a shutdown. I know there's, it's been threatened many, many times, and then we kick the can down the road, which is what the government is really good at doing. Uh, ignoring problems and then just putting them off till later. So private business usually doesn't have that option. In a private business, when you have a problem, you better solve it. You, you can't just kick the can down the road, which the government just did on the broker issue, which I wish would just go away. Um, but their you know, groups are pushing for broker transparency again, although it already exists. We already have a law. I'm not really sure what they're pushing for, regulation, I guess. I'm not really sure what they're pushing for. To me, all I can see about this issue is the law's already there. I guess the only thing you can push for now is to enforce it. But how does that work? How do we enforce a law like broker transparency? And the way I see it is you're going to have to have an agency and a lot of people and a lot of expense. It's not worth it. It, it, the whole transparency rule shouldn't even exist, but it has existed for 50 some years and it's worthless, but we're fighting about it again. Uh, I think the, uh, for the most part, I'm ignoring uh, that new owner operator association, uh, NOOA, whatever it is, North American owner operator association. Uh, now they are actually calling for a total shutdown of trucking from I don't know. It's like November 1st through the end of the year if they don't get broker transparency, because according to them, broker transparency is crashing our economy. It's that big of an issue. Uh, The people I talk to don't think it's an issue at all, period. It's just not even on their radar. Um, We're just I knew we were going to see things like this when the economy started to turn this time. We've been talking about it. This could be bad. Um, you should be prepared for a bad downturn. Like I, we've got a lot of things going on right now. I started to talk about it. The government shutdown, which may actually happen this time. I'm not sure what that's going to look like. Um, we have the UAW strike. Doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. And this may not be a big deal to a lot of people, but we have a lot of people that have to start paying back their student loan debts. You know, part of the problem here is... Over the last three years, there's been so much money infused into the system and people were allowed to not pay things. They didn't have to pay their rent during the pandemic. Remember that? That went on for over a year. They don't have they haven't had to pay their student loan debts in a long time. And unfortunately, when you do that, people don't save and invest that money. They spend it. That's what kept the economy going. Now, though, 
those people are screwed. If they couldn't pay their bills during the time when there was money everywhere and work everywhere, and if you couldn't make enough in your day job, you could go run a gig job nights and weekends to make up for it, all that's going to go away. There aren't going to be jobs everywhere. The gig economy may be there, but it doesn't mean it's going to pay anything or there's going to be enough work. And now they have to start paying everything back. That's like the double whammy. That will hurt the economy. And for some reason, it doesn't look like it's going to slow down inflation. So we might end up with stagflation again. Um, I'm watching trucking companies filing bankruptcies, both reorganization and total bankruptcy. That's pretty common. We're losing carriers, which we need to. But um, I, I think we might be reaching the bottom of rates, I hope. But I don't think we're going to be coming out of this economy anytime soon. So uh, I had a couple other things I wanted to talk about, but the calls are starting to come in. So I think I'm just going to grab the calls and find out what's on your mind today. Let's uh, start right here in Oregon. Tom, welcome. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Doing great. What's on your mind today? Oh, oh, I got it. I'm going. I'm driving right past your ear place, um, and I uh, thought you had already gone up to the to the ranch. Are you Are you keeping your house in Oregon too? We are. We'll probably That's... turn this into a vacation rental. You know, originally we built this oh, to be a go. bed and breakfast, so it's it's not your normal residence. I mean, it's almost 6,200 square feet. It's set up so that it, it it's not quite there right now, but it could be five full suites that could be, you know, rented separately as vacation rentals or the whole place. And the vacation rental market here is pretty big. I mean, we have four really good months where there's just not enough rentals ever. And then the rest of the year, it's kind of right. slow. So our real estate strategy has been to kind of buy and hold on properties that will make good vacation rentals. This one we were living in and we just keep, yeah, that's... kept expanding it. So um, we'll run it as a vacation rental instead of a bed and breakfast. Um, and Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So we're, we're we probably, it's hard to say, I, I'd love to make the move soon, but we've, um, we, we were just up there yesterday with our, designer and architect and we've got to do some work on that property before we could live and work on it full time so it's going to be one of those weird transitions we'll probably go over tonight we haven't spent the night there yet tonight may be the first night but one of the other things i was going to talk about on my open how things keep changing and if one more change happens i don't know if i'm going to be able to hold this off my gosh so the van had to go in the shop, but the van's not going on the trip now, so that's not that big of a deal. I was supposed to pick up the coach this afternoon, supposed to, but I got a call yesterday. Now, I got to say, my shop, there's only one shop that's ever worked on this coach since I've owned it. Either they do the work or I do the work. Nobody else has ever touched this, um, and they are fantastic. I love them. It's the original factory shop. Country Coach doesn't exist anymore, but... Uh, they rented or bought the building that Country Coach was in. 
They do a, a resale consignment business, and they have an awesome shop. They have a lot of the original craftsmen that are still there, the cabinet makers. Uh, it's very well run. So I have no complaints about them, and this was not their fault. So they were buttoning up the coach yesterday because I was picking it up today. And they're always good. They're always on time. When they tell me it's going to be done, it's done. And he called me and he said, you're not going to believe this. And I thought, boy, that doesn't sound good. He said, "Um, we were buttoning things up and one of your inverters just died. Now, the coach has got two big 3,000-watt inverters. And then there's a management system that controls both of them. And he said it just died. Um, He said, in the past, we had a shop that repaired these. And he said, nobody does anymore. That shop's not there. There's no way to fix these. And I said, oh, I guess we need to buy an inverter. And he said, no, it gets worse than that. I'm like, oh, God, please. So it turns out that style of inverter doesn't exist anymore. So we can't just buy one inverter. We have to buy two inverters and and a management system because the old style management system won't manage the new inverters. So we have to replace the entire system, which is also what happened to my AC system. We had to replace all three rooftops and the entire control system for them because nothing's compatible. Oh, boy. Inverters. All we're talking about here are inverters. Now, I guess it's a pretty big system, but $8,000. Yeah, it's about time to just <sighs> pack those up and send those over to Pittsburgh Power. And, and uh, is that is uh, who's the guy that does the electric Leroy. over there? Uh, I guarantee Leroy. I bet Sheesh. Leroy can get it going. Man, oh, man. You know, yeah. and... and and you've got to go, and you said you were just going to go to uh, Tennessee and turn back around. You might as well just fly down there, even though you don't want to fly. You know, it, it just, it, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense at this point. It, well, and still, you probably won't have your coach anyway. Well, it, it, they they think they can get it done in two weeks. So, and I've still got time. So I'll, okay. I'll know more today. When I talked to him yesterday, it was late in the day. Or maybe I have to wait till Monday. Their inverter guy was off this week, yeah. of course. Um, so of course. I think we might have to wait till Monday. They did not think there was going to be a problem. I mean, the, the service manager said, I, I would think we have the inverters in stock. We could get started on those and, you know, we'll get a management system in. And he thinks there should not be a problem getting it done in two weeks. So we'll see. Nice, nice. Hey, I was, I was trying to make uh, a Start uh, Friday out with a joke. So um, poor Diane Feinstein passed, as you heard, I'm sure. And um, I'm not exactly sure what the procedure is because she sort of did things backwards. So she's already lied in state for 18 months. Yeah. What uh, What happens now? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I almost didn't even know that. I am not watching the news at all. I just happened to catch a headline as I was trying to find something about trucking this morning and saw it. But other than that, I wouldn't have known. I, I'm pretty much in a news blackout oh, really? these days. Yeah. You know, um, I think about the economy, I think you're right about the freight rates being sort of at the bottom because they really can't go much lower. But um, the issue is going to be the fuel. It's not. Yeah, it's you're, not, that's a good point. There's no, I mean, what, what what sign is there that it can possibly even do anything but go 
up another dollar plus. So, you know, that oil is almost at a a, a hundred. Yeah, that may be what ends up creating the stagflation, that even though the economy is really going to slow down and there's not going to be a lot of work, we're still going to have high prices because if we don't start pumping as a country and weren't we the leading producer just a couple of years ago? We produced more oil than yeah, anybody we, in yeah, the world. We were. Yeah, and and when than you the take Saudis. yeah, than the, the Saudis. when you take the number one producer out of the system and and they start producing less, what do you expect is going to happen? Energy prices will go up. Energy. <laughs> if we think trucking drives everything, no pun intended. No, it doesn't. Energy does. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then you've because got we, you've got winter coming up. With yeah, we can't do our oil, job, you know, without fuel. So we're not at the top of the food chain in trucking. The energy sector is. Without energy, uh, we can't do anything. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, really, really, it just runs the whole economy. It's the most important thing. It is. And I can't believe that the Democrats are doing this. You know, before an election, people's people's memories, you know, are 24 hours nowadays. But people people are going, going... Broke, you know, I mean, literally going broke. It's going to be interesting to watch because many, many elections, there's a clear pattern. I just talked about this yesterday, that phrase, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Uh, That was when um, Bill and Hillary were in there. And so all of the the politicians know if you're coming up for re-election, you better have a good economy or you're probably going to lose. Now, we thought maybe that was going to happen in 2020, but the economy was so goofy. Uh, but it'll be interesting as we head into the election year itself, even though we talk about it all the time now, um, to watch whether right. or not the Democrats actually do anything to try to bring the economy back. And the only thing that makes any sense for them to do is to bring down energy prices. That would be the the best way to try to create a soft landing and not a big kind of crash recession. And if they don't do it, I would have to believe they're not doing it because they know they can win the election anyway. Yeah, just from just from just from uh, Mark Elias and all his uh, his. Uh lawsuits and and uh you know i mean yeah, however, it's not election day anymore it's election right, month right however they're going to do it with all the goofy mail-in ballot systems and early voting and we right. for for a right. country that can you know put people on the moon and all the crazy things we've done we can no longer count votes right and it takes us weeks now no it after and you know the election, you know it takes not going to be Biden. So I, I no, have to it's ridiculous. You saw the way he shut it off. Yeah, I, I have to believe if they don't try to do something for the economy and get off the stupid green energy push, that they're doing it because they know they can't lose now. Right, and and you know you know it's not going to be Biden, and uh, you know they're they're going to. I guarantee Big Mike comes off the bench at the last minute it just has to be you know what i mean there's they don't know who else they have look at newsom you know he just he just hiked up uh uh ammunition and uh, firearms uh uh i think it's 11 percent he taxed it in california on top of what they already have you know so that's not going to go over well 
Yeah, it's a hey, great, I liked your, crazy uh, your, time. I liked your elk. I liked your elk. But yeah, I liked your uh, your elk. By the way, the uh, that big, so, that big boy it looked like about a four pointer. So last night, um, I went back out to the property late uh, to tuck the chickens in and make sure everything worked. And my my door automation is not working right. Um, it's such a weird system. It's no power. It, this thing manages to change two water feeders, like it drains two water bowls, one inside the coop, one outside, refills them with clean water every day, and opens and closes the coop door with no power, no energy. A, I, I can't even, I don't even, yeah, I don't know where to start with that because I, I have no idea how, that, how that's working. So I thought, you know, this guy was telling me about the system, but it, the guy who built all this stuff is pretty brilliant. The, his irrigation system's incredible, right. these window things that open the greenhouse and maintain temperature, but he's horrible at explaining things. I keep asking him, and he uh, I can't, I, I, I don't understand how the system works yet. And if, with, if I can't understand it, it's really hard to try to fix it, because I'm not sure what I'm trying to sure. fix. I need the basic understanding of what's happening. And he's, they moved back to Coeur d'Alene, and they don't have cell phones coverage half the time and when I so it's you know I leave him a voicemail and try to ask him some questions and then he texts me the answer and, <laughs> but I, I'm not I'm not it getting it so the door's not working right it's not opening and closing so I'm going out there twice a day right now so last night I went out late I just got busy and I couldn't get out there it was me. full dark last night and I I can't believe how dark it is out there when, when you live anywhere near other people and you got streetlights and all that stuff, it, it, you don't realize how dark it really gets. Uh, so Did you appreciate the stars, though, in that darkness? Did you look up and, and were you able to haven't appreciate? haven't seen them yet. Yeah, oh, it was man. cloudy you, last night. Wait till that happens. You're yeah, like, I've, oh, my God, I can't believe that I've been missing this. I, I've experienced that a couple times in really remote places, and it is incredible. You can't explain it to people. You just have to see that. So, no. yeah, I'm... I'm looking right. forward to that because that will be every night out here. It's so dark. Uh, so when I get out to the property last night, the chicken coop is in the back of the property. And normally I just park up by the house and walk back there. But it was a long day. It was dark. I'm like, I'm just going to drive back. So I'm driving through the field and I'm like passing the fence that the garden's at. And all of a sudden, two elk, a buck and a doe jump out in front of the they were probably 10 feet in front of me of that. And I don't think this was the same buck. I think this one was significantly bigger. Um, scared the hell out wow. of me. And I'm sure I scared the hell out of them too. But yeah, they, I think they were eating over the fence in the garden because I forgot to turn the electric fence on last night. Yeah, you 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 uh you get to appreciate their size a little bit more when you're that close to them because those those <laughs> yeah. they're, you're not playing around there. I mean, they're literally their rack. Um, their rack can be you know, I mean, yeah. up there maybe like eight feet. You know? Yeah, they're you know, it's ridiculous. They can, and if you think that you're going to grow a garden without a without a nine or twelve foot fence, uh, think again because yeah, they can, we, you know, they, get, they jump that from a from a from a, a, a stand you know just stand in there they can jump that uh, eight foot that's what the previous owner said he said i came out one morning and he said there was 12 of them in the garden they had all just jumped over the fence mm -hmm. that's why he put the electric in now mm -hmm. and then i forgot to turn it on last night so and the reason i 
I turn it off during the day because I hate getting zapped. And I'm constantly working oh, yeah. around those fences with stuff. And I just know I'm going to get zapped. So I'm kinda, I, I may even put them on timers. I don't know. But uh, clearly the electric oh, is needed. The, the, you that, way you'll, that, that, way, that way you'll be just surprised when you get shocked. You're like, <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. So right. I, it's yeah, crap shoot. I don't think I posted the whole video on Twitter, but I may have on the tribe site. In the beginning of the video, there's a point where they're all, I'm walking towards them and they all have their head down eating. And then you see the buck raise his head up and you can see his rack. But the interesting thing is when he raises his head up and sees me, he starts coming towards me. Mm, Yeah, there you go. That's always good. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then last night after they jumped out and scared me, I tucked the chickens away and got everything set. And then when I was walking back to the car, I've got a really, really big flashlight. It's not big, but it's really powerful. So I was kind of shining it out into the field and all I could see were eyes. So they were all just laying out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. All right. Well, congratulations on the whole deal. Good luck with the with the motor home and uh, your trip to uh, 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 Nashville, if you ever, if you ever get there. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's getting, uh, thanks. It's getting uh, getting a little crazy. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep rolling with the calls here. We're going to head off to Alabama. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, I got a couple of things. If uh, <clears throat> One, I'd like to run by Henry because it was something he posted on Facebook, but uh, first, I'll start with um, inflation and the economy. Yeah. I was listening to an agriculture podcast with grain markets yesterday, and <clears throat> I think the worst is still to come. I do, too, and I'm, a so fr- one of I'm our, scared. I really am. Yeah, one of our strongest markets for the past year has been agriculture. <clears throat> the Argentina which has been a growing agriculture market, mm-hmm. they're at 124% inflation. Oh, oh. you know, I so always you get... You think it's bad here. So I, I always get these two countries confused, and maybe now I know why. Venezuela's the Here's country Venezuela. that already went through this, right? Yep. Yep. Venezuela was like the richest country in South America, I think, just like 20 years ago wasn't even that long really in the big scheme of things and then they went through this hyperinflation and are still going through it and the country's a mess i always get them confused with argentina so is that happening in argentina now yep that's maybe that's, that's why August i get it confused numbers the yeah. numbers aren't in yet yeah they're 12 percent month over month and 124 so, over the past year so this is why and and I'm struggling with this, and and Lisa and I are kind of struggling with it. We manage our money together. Normally, I make the big decisions, and she does all the day-to-day management because she's 10 times better at that than I am. But normally, I'm the one that kind of says, yeah, based on what's going on, you know, we should probably have some money here and over here. And I'm struggling now. Don't know where to put money. But what I don't want, and this is why we're having a hard time, I don't want cash anymore. Uh, what have I been saying for five years? Nope. Pay down debt, save cash, save cash. <clears throat> I've been doing it. Now I'm looking around going, wait a minute. There's a huge risk in cash right now. If we're going to go nope. through inflation, I want hard assets, not cash. 
assets or even <clears throat> the stock market being invested in companies that are going to inflate right. as inflation right. happens. So okay. most of your consumer good companies and, and all that, which, I mean, still back to what we always talk about, that's the S&P 500. Exactly. I mean, right. So it's easy. 500 companies. Yeah. Yep. They're going to, they're going to inflate their value with inflation because their revenues are going to go up as inflation goes up. So here, here's the difference. And here's why, you know, for the last five years, paying down debt and save cash made total sense, but all of a sudden it doesn't. Now we've got to change. If I have a hundred thousand dollars that I'm trying to figure out where to put it, and inflation is going up every day, that money is worth less and less every day. But if I if if we have inflation, that means the cost of everything is going up, not down. So now I want to own things yep. that are going up in value. So now I, I'm trying to get out of cash, but you also, I, I don't want to be broke. I mean, I don't want to have all my money in assets. So it, it's really... It's kind of a struggle right now. I don't know what the right balance is. We just dumped off a boatload of cash on this property, which helped a lot. But I'm still wondering, I don't know what I should be doing. Yeah, well, and I just bought a whole nother set of trailer tires last week. That's a good idea. I don't need them for probably over a year. (laughs) Right. Which I can store them inside so, you know, they're not in the sun and all that, but it's well, it was a good deal came up, you know, their takeoffs, somebody didn't want wide singles and, yeah, you know, it, it was a deal as it is, but, you know, just looking at inflation was the other side of it. So, you know, here's the yeah, other I, thing. I, I'm... Right now I have a full set of tires for my whole truck and trailer in my shed, brand new. And I put all new tires on the truck and trailer this year. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're set for I'm a while. covered for tires for yeah. at least. Probably four years or better. You know, which tires are a good example, though. We've seen in the past tires prices can climb fast. So that's a that's a good asset to be buying in an inflationary period. Oil might be a good thing to stock up on. Um, Fuel is hard to try to hedge fuel because the price on fuel is just way too volatile um, for individuals to try to be hedging. Um, fuel because it could go down just as easily as it could go up. That, that's a that's a problem area there. Um, so I may start looking at that business wise for us. Maybe we need to start ordering more sooner. The problem we always have that we have to be careful of is we have stuff that expires. We buy stuff with shelf yep. dates. And we can't pre buy too much because then it expires while we've got it. So. Uh, it is it is a really really tough environment to run a business right now. So the grain, you know, the two big ones, corn and soybeans. The U.S. has been the lead producer for quite a long time. Well, we actually lost soybeans. I don't know, maybe it's been ten years already to Brazil. Well. In the last 12 months, we also lost corn to Brazil. Really? They are now the number one corn producer in the world, and that's what's driving the price of grain down. The other part of it is, you know, the threat of electric vehicles becoming more popular. Yeah. They expect up to a 90% reduction in ethanol production over the next 
20 years. Whoa. So right now the ethanol boards are trying to get in to mandating aviation fuel use ethanol because they're worried ethanol is going to disappear. Uh, you know, the profitability I, of it anyway. I pulled up to our local diesel pump here in town yesterday and got a big surprise or stickers all over the thing. So it's always been B20, which I'm not wild about, but it's hard to find much of anything else. But now they had all kinds of labels all over the pump that of the 20% of biofuel that's in there, up to 55% of that 20% is now biomass. Yeah, because that's gotten cheaper. So they use vegetable oil or cooking oil, I should say. Um that I guess is ramped up, and then the biomass can be so Anything. many different things. Could be algae. It could, yeah, it yeah. could be all so kinds of crazy stuff. Nope. And that's the problem. There's no consistency to it. So yeah, it's. So I, hey, I, I, mean, I, I just I, I don't know where things are going, but I was just there's reading more bad something. news than good news. I think there's way more bad. And here's I was about to say this earlier. Here's what I'm wondering: there aren't many people sounding the alarm. There's a lot of people that are focused on their segment or their part of the industry or what they do, and they're talking about the problems in those segments. But when you start looking at all the segments and you start thinking, well, okay, who is doing good? Nobody really seems to be, but nobody seems to be talking about how all of these things are are playing into this economy and how all of them seem to make it look like we're in for some rough times. I mean, there's still people that are well, talking so like we're just, we're just going to have this was a little bump in the road and we're going to come out of this. So to convert some numbers in agriculture to trucking, you know, we talk about revenue per mile. And obviously in agriculture, everything's, you know, bushel per acre, per acre you know, the, right. the value of a bushel of corn. We were at $7 a bushel for corn just a year or two ago. And it hung in that six range for a while. We're now, now is, in that, the fours is that what the, dropping. what the farmer can sell it for? Yeah. Now, but, uh, did, were, usually it's the Chicago Board of Trade were is there, the national number they use. Were there any numbers about what the average cost to produce that corn is? Uh, I don't have a number per bushel, but it's... Depending upon the part of the country and the land value, right. you know, this is equipment, everything. I want to say recently seen it was like $1,300 an acre <laughs> in inputs. So we, yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And the price keeps going down on it when everything else is going up. That that's, And then you look at what's going on with agriculture around the world. You know, what oh. they're doing in the Netherlands and so... That whole thing. I, I just, uh, while we're sitting here talking about it, though, I just stumbled across an investment strategy. Okay. I, this one, I, I'm, I'm thinking I, I'm really onto something here. So Elon Musk, I mean, my God, the guy's all over the place, right? He's trying to, to save freedom of speech single-handedly. He spent $44 billion to buy Twitter. The, do you, have you seen how many government inquiries they are into there are into elon musk and his companies now he's being investigated by the government no, for, for sneezing i think for yep they are all yeah, over they're, him they're after him big time well, well wait this administration's after him correct this administration it's about to get worse i'm looking at a post 
He's not quitting. You know where he is now? No. He's down at the border. He's down at Eagle Pass making an issue about what's happening at the border. So here's my strategy. Here's my strategy. I've got it. We're all going to be rich. Everybody listen to me me here. We're all going to be rich. We, We have to go look at Tesla, SpaceX, the boring company. We need to short all of these stocks. Because the government's going to take out Elon Musk, and when they do, these companies are going to tank. So if we short them, we're going to make a killing. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing is, betting against Elon hasn't really been a very good, very safe bet. <laughs> no, that's true. It hasn't. Maybe I need to rethink the, the this. The track record for that <laughs> is know. not great. Yeah. yeah, maybe I need to rethink this. Uh, what? what I, honestly... Look, Elon, I like the guy. I love what he's done with Twitter. I think he's um, he's just an unusual guy. He's got a cool sense of humor. But honestly, get the hell away from the border. What is he thinking? Well, and oh, I think you might have shared it. The video Elon posted about the whole vaccine problems and yeah, over they, a he, fairly long amount of time. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't even yeah, just COVID. I, it was... Right. He's going back. He's on that bandwagon. Uh, Yeah, that's what I mean. They are going to take him out. So uh, the next subject, which is what Henry posted a week ago or so, just one of these memes about, you know, growing up in the 60s and one one person working, just the, the husband, the father, and could afford the house and the car. And, you know, life was life was good. Right. That's what they always say. Yeah. Compared to today, both parents work full-time, and everybody's broke. And Henry, his comment on it was something about, you know, back then it was a smaller house with one TV, one car in the driveway, and all that, and I completely agree. Right. Just so happened Dave Ramsey tackled that this week. Okay. And lucky for you, he picked 60, 60 years, so 1963 till today. Ah, nice. 1,000 square foot house was the average. Today, 2,900. I would have have said 1,200. I thought that was the number. And that's about the size of house I grew up in with seven kids. I was the youngest of seven. Yeah. And we had a roughly 1,000, maybe it was 1,200 square foot after we finished the half basement uh, because it was a split level like everybody in the Midwest had. Um, Very small house, one bathroom, uh, one TV, one phone, not not a phone for everybody nope. in the house with accounts and minutes and, and you know, and, and we didn't have 37 Internet subscriptions and we had one used car, maybe two when some of the kids started driving, always used. Like I said, my dad didn't buy his first new car till he was well into his 40s. It was, you lived a very, very different life. There, there wasn't all this stuff to spend money on. Computers didn't nope. exist. Well, so think yeah, of all the money we spend on yep, computers. The little and, things didn't even exist. Right. Subscriptions and, and all these devices and gadgets. and uh, it, it didn't exist. There wasn't all this stuff to spend money on. And so that is a big, big part of it. And when people say now, well, I can't find a starter home. Well, yeah, that's because 3,000 feet square feet is not a starter home, but that's all they build anymore. Yep. 
Or well, so I, or they I, go to this isn't what Dave Ramsey said. Or, or they go to tiny homes. But here's where my mind went. Which, which in a sense, yeah. is worse. <laughs> and spend more. <laughs> These tiny homes are costing a thousand dollars a square foot to build. Yep. But so if we took it from one income and let's say completely doubled it, so one hundred percent increase in revenue income coming into a household. Just the house alone is a 190% increase. Whew, man. Then on automobiles, it went from one car to currently two and a half. Now, this is just for the couple. This isn't counting if you have kids driving. So a 100% increase in income, 150% in car ownership. Well, so, and those are our two we, biggest expenses. And that's all he went over were those two. That's all that, you need to go over. Yeah, that tells you just, the whole story. That This can't work. You know, it, it makes complete sense why it's not working. Yes. Yes, it does. The math doesn't work. The, the, it's just math. And the math doesn't work. You're right. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at this right now. And um, my son, Michael, uh, he's, you know, no. the two boys are nine. So he's got twins. They have a baby on the way. Um, he's self-employed, he's doing his own thing, uh, and Nicole's not working. And the plan is for Nicole not to work. And they have the kids in private school. I'm wondering how he's doing it. Nope. That's he's tough. He's going to have to take some work lessons from me. Work yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does. He, he definitely has that work ethic. So, well, yeah. Yeah, but man, oh, man. It, you're right. The, the math is you look at it and go, yeah, this just can't work. You have to make an awful nope. lot of money. I think I saw a statistic where couples now that make around $150,000 a year combined, the majority of them live paycheck to paycheck and have no savings. Yep. Well, yeah, it's always been the, I want to say it's close to 60%. And this is for decades now already. But yeah, most people can't write a $1,000 check yeah. for an emergency. What? What people fail to realize, though, is they think the people they're talking about with that statistic, they think you could look at them and know they belong in that category. Like they live in a low-income area, nope. they're driving an old broke-down car, they're always hurting for money. Well, yeah, that those people are in that group. But drive through any upscale, yeah, drive through any big upscale suburb, house, suburb with four and 5,000 square foot homes and big lawns. And guess what? Those people are in that group too. They're, you know, the, the number got bigger, but uh, the, the margin, it's the same. It's just as bad. Yeah. They have no, it, and, yep. and it's worse. It, it's absolutely worse to be in that situation because it takes an awful lot of income. One job loss right, there. That's it. And you are yep. toast. Yeah. You can't you can't drag down thousands of dollars a month in payments, or you can't drag that on right. for you know two months, and <laughs> yeah. you're screwed. Whereas you know people down on the lower and scale of things, they can drag it on for a few more months because the numbers are smaller. Well, and here's the other thing: the people at the bottom have kind of always been at the bottom, and they always figure out how to survive. They're always going to make it. I mean, it's sure, some of them fall off, become homeless. We see more and more of that happening. But for the most part, the people on the bottom can stay on the bottom. And nothing changes all that much. 
you know, a good economy, a bad economy. They're always struggling. They seem to figure it out. What I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the, the upper middle class people failing because that's what takes down an economy. Yeah. Because that's the difference is options. Correct. So you say lose your job. Well, if you're at the bottom end of the pay scale, there's all kinds of options, you know, yep. fast food. Yep. All the, the gig economy, the gig there's stuff, options. Right. You, you'll make it. Income. Right. You'll survive. Upper middle class, and you lose a $150,000 a year job. Ooh. That's not easy to replace and in a down economy. It, but it's almost correct. impossible in a down economy. It, it, right. And that's, that's the scary part. In a down economy, you can't replace those jobs. No. And then it's the domino effect. What? If if you know if the people aren't buying stuff because they're out of the out of money, the businesses that sell stuff are now struggling, and those owners are now struggling, and and that's that's what happens in a bad economy. And this one is really starting to look scary. Yeah, that's like I say, I I look for good news, things that I are do you too. know gonna I know. improve, <laughs> I know. but it's, well, <laughs> it's hard it, to find. It, we, I mean, there's. There's analysts that say, oh, it'll all be fine because this is, you know, going to hold us up. But I I hope they're right, but I, I, I don't think don't they are. I don't believe that. I know. Yeah. I, it, here's the other scary thing. Um, every metric we're talking about, for the most part, is just our country. But from what I understand, China's really in trouble. Yeah, we're better off than right. most other countries right now. Right. So there, this will be and, like. Yeah, more like, like 08, which was a global recession, which is why it hurt so much. Nope. And like you were talking earlier, the energy price is yeah. the big big uh, factor in it, I think. Right. Is, or one of the big factors. So, yeah. yeah and it's what's what sucks about that is we have options here we do that's the thing we 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 could i believe the one thing that could i think we're going into a recession no matter what anybody does but i think there are certainly things we could do like drill baby drill and it could ease the the pain and we might end up with the little softer landing yeah but instead we should build more solar panels (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which uh, not that I'm against. No, it. I'm not. Either. I mean, uh, I'm not either. I, I'm but, not saying we shouldn't, but it, uh, it we, shouldn't be our main focus. And we shouldn't be spending everybody's money. I, I'm so pissed off at the whole solar thing because I want to build some solar right now out on this property. It's the last yep. thing I need to put that property off the grid. But I'm, I'm so frustrated with trying to buy solar panels. That, that whole industry has been so corrupted by all of the tax money that I don't trust anybody. Same here. I'd, I'd love to build a, an off-grid setup, too, it, but it, 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 I, I just sw- can't make the numbers work. I swear, every time all you have to do is go online and search for solar panels, and your email will blow up and your phone will start ringing, and there will be 37 companies trying to sell you solar panels. And they'll give you all your your states, yeah, uh, incentives, rebates, you know, all right. the right, all the stuff to make it look cheaper. That it's well, they're not. Their take in is, the long run, but they're ta- all these companies. Their take is it's not cheaper; it's free. That's what they push. Oh, this yeah. is free. Not only is it free, you're going to be producing energy and selling it back to the electric company. No, you're not. You're not even going to produce <laughs> enough to run your own home. But their calculations show that you will. 
Well, they might the first year, but like anything that solar, it deteriorates every year. So every year it gets older, you're producing less electricity. Yeah. So yeah, their math might work for the first eight months. Under perfect (laughs) conditions. And then after that, it goes down. It's kind of like, you know, electric vehicles in their range. Well, of course they're giving us the range in the best possible conditions. Yeah. Well, I'll let I, you get some other calls out. I'm I, about to pull into a way station here. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Let's go to uh, right here in Oregon again. Dave, welcome. Hey, good morning. What's on your mind um, today? I would just have to, I just had a question or a comment a couple of weeks ago. There was a guy talking about the scan gauge that he had that he had thrown at the back of the bunk because when he replaced his engine, it quit working. And I just remembered about something. I've got one, not the KR, but the scan gauge two in my pickup that my son took out, broke it. But they're uh, for twenty-five dollars, they'll repair those. The regular scan gauge. I don't know about the KR, but yeah, the they. I think. Actually, I think we have the same deal with them. Repair them for twenty-five bucks. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we have a. We still got. You're aware of that or not? So. Actually, I was, but I totally forgot about it. That's the kind of stuff I try not to crowd my brain with because our team does all of that. But you're right. Thank you. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. And this is the first time I've had a chance to call because I'm out doing a long distance run today. So out got past it. your neck of the woods. So well, there you go. So that's all. That's yeah. I'm headed to Pendleton right now. So well, there you go. Get just uh, past your place a couple hours. Just pick, passed your base a couple hours ago. Pick me up a couple blankets. Oh. <laughs> okay, will do. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, Pendleton Wool Mills is out here, and they're famous. I love their stuff. Let's go to Indiana. Jeremy, welcome. Appreciate it. Hi. Hey there. Um, hi. Uh, Uh-oh, hold on. Oh, you're back in the queue. Now you're back. Okay. Did it, did I grab you out of the queue? Yeah. I think so. Were you I was, still I was talking, talking to Lisa? Lisa for a second? I, no, we were done. Oh, okay. I thought so. I didn't think I took you out of the screening room. All right. Go ahead. What's on your mind today? Um, well, so you guys were talking uh, when inflation is high, that means uh, the stock, you know, the, the index funds are, are kind of inflated like the as well, like the price goes up right or the values are up right typically oh wow um yeah because uh well here here's you know, why. Just, i mean let, just let, let's explain why and my yeah i'll use my company we're not okay. on the stock exchange but it, it's the same thing anyway we are currently if i take all of our orders and i can say we currently sell x every month this is how much we sell every month. This is our revenue, the money coming in. Well, now with inflation, yeah. and we haven't done this yet, we haven't raised prices, but at some point we're going to have to. We've been able to hold off because a lot of our vendors have held off for us. They're not charging us more. And we've talked about why. A lot of our vendors are small, high quality companies. They produce a lot of their own. Um, You know, we've talked about regenerative farms haven't had to raise prices, but that can't last. I mean, eventually everybody. So now what happens is if you take our revenue and we have to raise our prices by 10%, well, our revenue just went up by 10%. 
So that would inflate the okay. value of our stock because we base stock prices on revenue and income. So st- that, that stock price goes up, but the value of our dollar went down. Yeah. So this is why if we're in an inflationary period, you want to be holding more hard assets rather than cash. Because cash keeps losing value, but your hard assets keep gaining value. So yeah, so yeah, I understand. So if you if you were a, a long time investor already, you know, and you were retired, then it looks good for you, right? For um, now, it looks good for people that right. have. Now here's now, here's right. the other thing okay. we have to understand: that yes, being in the S and P five hundred right now still makes sense because those prices are going up and earnings go up. But the the next thing we have to pay attention to is, yes, our revenue went up, but so are our expenses. So now at some point, we will see a lower profit. Even though we have higher revenue, we'll see lower profit. That's when the stock market will start to tank. So there's a timing thing uh, here. No, you, you've got to be careful. Now, long-term investors in the S&P 500 should just ignore everything we're saying. If you're 30 years oh, old okay. and I you have it. your money in the I- S&P 500, you should not be trying to time the market and move things around. Just stay in the S&P and, yeah. and deal with it. It's going to go down in value. It's happened many, many times in the past. It comes back. But... but where I'm, I'm at that place where at 60 years old, you, you're, I'm not a long-term investor anymore. I, I can't be in things that might take 10 years to come back. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm 50 and I feel like 30, so. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's always that. Does that count? It, it probably does. <laughs> You know, if, if I knew for sure that I was going to be healthy till 90, then, yeah, I wouldn't be very concerned about this. Yeah, okay. Because we're like, sometimes we, we have to look to see if we made too much with those rules now. You know, the rules of you can even invest in your IRA. Or, right. or I mean, not your IRA, but your um, the non-tax one, you know. the, uh, the reti- Any retirement uh, accounts, right. You, you, yeah, we, we have okay. all those yeah. rules we still have to deal with, right. And it, yeah, and if we when we do the S and P there in um, Roth IRA, right, Wait, and then if we if we made too much, you we, know, we here's do the company. Yeah, here's another point that you, you just I just thought of as you said that. Not only when you get you know past fifty, do you have to start looking at different asset allocations where your money should be, but you really can stop thinking about tax deferred. It, I, I'm not. Tax deferred has not been in my vocabulary for almost a decade now. When I'm 20, that tax deferral is huge. It allows me to grow more money over time. But the closer I get to retirement, the less that tax deferral matters. Putting off taxes, at my point now, it's hard for me to even put off taxes. I have to start taking money out at some point. That doesn't happen until 70. I still have 10 years, but... So, yeah, it changes that part of investing, too. We, we tax deferral once you're into your 50s just isn't that big of a deal anymore the way it was in your 20s and 30s. Okay, so 
so we, we could just open up a, a, a non-Roth IRA. Yeah, yeah, we can just invest outside of retirement accounts, right? We don't have to be so heavily focused on doing all of this within a tax-deferred account. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, thank you. That's yeah, that's, about. yeah, after 50, you can start. Okay. And, and certainly if you have stuff in tax deferred, we leave it there. But new money, new investments, right. we don't really have to. We can do the outside of the, the tax deferred accounts so that we take away a lot of those restrictions. Interesting. Uh, OK. Yeah. So, so here would be and, my uh, strategy at 50. If I had tax-deferred accounts, I would still be maxing them out. But like you said, we we have limitations there. And the rest of my money, I would just be investing not tax-deferred. Okay. And then each year, I might even keep shifting that, keep taking more and more out of tax-deferred and moving it into other investments. All right. Uh, Yeah, we had S&P 500 with that. And an IRA, and then the, we, we had to uh, bump up our 40, IRA 401k with the company if we made too much one year when we couldn't, they wouldn't, the, the rules wouldn't let you invest. Right. If you back, and then so we, we would do the, which which the 401, Roth 401k was that Russell, Russell 2000. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. So small that's what I was, fund. I was doing that. I was, yeah, like that. So, and, and we just took everything and bumped that up until ne- the next year. Is that, is that? Yeah, that's good. Is that decent? Yep. Yeah, okay. When you say other investments, I don't know what. I mean, well, like, for example, I mean, you say just, just a. For example, for me, I started yeah. moving into real estate. Oh, yeah, uh, yes, I know. So some people understand like, that part. Some yeah. people like precious metals. Some people during inflationary times want more money in gold or silver. I, I'm not a fan of precious metals. I don't, I don't want to be a fan. I don't understand them all that well. They're, they seem really, really volatile to me. They're expensive to invest yeah. in. Uh, most people get sucked in by these gold and silver companies that advertise all over the place. Um, why do they have all that money to advertise all over the place? Because their fees for buying and selling gold are outrageous. So even when they give statistics about, oh, look, gold was down here 10 years ago and look at where it is now. You could have made that. But they never tell you about all the fees you would have paid during all that time to them. So I'm just I'm not a fan. Some people like it. Now, you can invest in art. You can invest in classic cars. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can invest in. The, the one thing I would yeah. tell anybody, the S&P 500 is something I believe people can safely invest in, even being completely ignorant about everything. We can look at the history of it, being, and it, it, um, it, you don't have to know anything. Put your money in every month. It grows. It's going to go down yeah. during bad times. It's going to come back. But I would say if you do any type of investing other than something that simple, if you want to day trade or, you know, short sell or um, sell and buy and sell options and straddles and splits. And if you're going to do that stuff, you damn well better be an expert. You better be spending a lot of time learning about that stuff. 
crypto to me, crypto should never be an investment unless it's totally uh, money you are willing to lose because I don't believe anybody is an expert on crypto. I don't believe you can be an expert on crypto because it's too new. We don't know how it reacts to anything. And people who think they know it, I, I think, should rethink and, and be careful with it. We don't have history. You can't know what it does in certain situations. So if you're going to invest outside of that simple strategy of uh, mutual funds, index mutual funds, whatever you choose, you better become very knowledgeable in. You know, for me, not only am I in real estate, but I'm very, very focused on a specific market for a specific reason. I'm in an area that has a shortage of vacation rentals. So it makes sense to invest in vacation rentals here. And I've spent the last 10 years learning this market. And I've only bought a couple of properties during that time. Yeah. And besides that part, that's um, not not to talk about that part, because that's awesome. Uh, you're, you are a little different than what Ramsey says about never get out of the market. You know, your, your opinions on that one. You know how he... And like you said, you can't go wrong. You don't know anything. That probably includes when after you retire, too, right? You just stay in and you can... And here's what I'll say about okay? Dave Ramsey's advice. His always works. He he does the, the really safe stuff that you can put on paper and say, yeah, that works. What what it, Why a lot of people don't want yeah. to use his strategies, he's, you give up some potential. You're not going to make the big killings that some people claim they make in the market or wherever. Um, and most of those are usually lies. But that's why people criticize it. Well, yeah, you could do that. But look at the opportunities you're missing out on. You, that's not his strategy. His strategy is protect the downside. And if you protect the downside the way he describes, you, you really can't ever go wrong. All you can, the worst you could say is, well, you missed some opportunities. So that, that it, so that's okay. a, that's a very safe place to start from. That's why I always recommend his books, his ideas, his strategies. It's a safe place. Start with this. You almost can't go wrong. Then if you want to learn some other things and take some more risk, you can, uh, for example, I'm taking probably much more risk in real estate that Dave Ramsey might be comfortable with, although probably not if he looked at the rest of my finances and portfolio. But Dave always comes from a safe place. He protects the downside. That's his strategy. And it works. You know, it, it, here's another example of it. I, we, we almost exclusively use credit cards. We do it in our business and we do it in our personal life. Not debit cards, credit cards. I charge almost everything on credit cards. We do it in the business. We pay the, the bills off every month just like we would have paid the invoices off anyway, but we get crazy amounts of reward points. Dave doesn't like that. I get that. It, it is riskier. It's riskier because you get used to buying things on credit cards, and then if the economy starts to tank and you start depending on those credit cards and you're not paying off the bills every month, that's when things can go sideways. If you never use the credit card in the first place, you never subject yourself to that risk. 
So that's the difference in his strategy. And like I said, you can never look at his stuff and say it's wrong. It's not. Yeah. So what when you say down, make think when when uh, S and P goes up and goes down, what what makes uh, index funds actually go down? The value or, you know, of all of the down market. Yeah. So the S and P five hundred is made up of five hundred companies. So. When the economy right. starts so to go down, well, well, there's no such thing as totally inflation-proof businesses. No. The S&P 500 right. has tons of companies that are very sensitive to inflation. It also has some companies that aren't as sensitive. We have seen the S&P 500 pull back 50% several times. What caused that? Uh, that's what I'm trying to get to. Because I thought inflation yep. made a... I thought inflation made the values go up. Well, hold on. We don't always have inflation during a recession. In fact, it's rare. It's really rare. It happened in the late 70s, early 80s. We haven't seen it since then. Normally, when you have a down market, it's because you're in a deflationary or prices aren't going up or down, but economic activity goes down. So when economic activity okay, goes down, buying. people buy less or stop. Now, again, look at the high-end okay. luxury items. Those are going to go first. Um, Country Coach right. is a great right, okay. example. Country Coach had been around a long, long time, and in 2008, they went out of business. That was a deep enough recession that people were not buying big, expensive coaches. Big boats, airplanes, the, the high-end luxury items go first. And then it starts working its way down. But the S&P 500 can lose a lot of value. Now, in the beginning of this one, with inflation, maybe they won't in the beginning. That's what I'm saying. The, the stock market may still be a safe place for a little while. Uh, but if we're invested, don't we want to, to buy low? Or does it, it's, so, it's such a small difference, it doesn't really matter because we cost dollar average. Well, right. It's right now. It's been impossible to buy low for as long as I can remember. There has been no I, low I point know. to buy. We were. I was kind of. We know. were buying yeah. low three years ago. We just didn't realize it. We thought we were buying high. Oh. But that's this crazy economy that the government put all this money into, and then told people they didn't have to pay their bills anymore. That's why we've had these three years that we should have never had. That's what's confusing all of this. Yeah, because I always tell, I always say to Tammy, yeah, man, I wish we have a, a dip in the, and she said, don't say that. We don't want that. No, I we go, do want we a dip. Buying for, for, right, we, we do want dips. Yeah, yeah, we want, yeah, so then if we buy at a dip for years, then we I, things go up. It, it's worth, it's it, worth more, right? I, I've been saying I was hoping for a dip in the real estate prices. And I, I realized they weren't right, coming, right, okay. so I bought a property a year or two ago and thought I was buying at the top then, but I wasn't. We bought this property, which I, I swear we have to be getting close to the top of the real estate market, but we're not. So, yeah, we're, it, these last three years have, have just thrown all the rules right out the window. That's why it's so hard to figure out where we're going next. So what would cause a dip in the actual stock market? Again? I mean, the yeah, index fund market, actually, uh, just people so, not buying. So in the not beginning, buying activity. as inflation goes up, which is where we are now, 
those companies can be worth more because they have more revenue coming in. But at some point, you get to the tipping point, and now the price of everything has gone up so much that people stop buying. They sacrifice. They buy less. They, 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 They get very conservative with their money because they can't afford it anymore. It's not even a choice. You can't go on vacation if you're already using credit cards to buy groceries. So they stop buying. Right. Nobody wants that. Now, all Somebody, of those companies that are that. in the Government. S&P 500 that nobody is buying from or they've cut way back, their value now drops and their stock price will drop. And that's when the market crashes. Yeah. Right. So it's. Basically, if we're saving, as long as we don't lose, if we're still saving, it's like a savings account. Correct. The, still, the, you good. know, this still is a saving. time to get safer and more conservative. And Dave Ramsey's strategies are safe and conservative. All right. Um, we are going to bring in the guests. And then we're just going to continue on with the calls. Um, We'll take any call, but uh, we'd like to start focusing on efficiency and fuel mileage and all those other things we talk about. So uh, I'm just going to bring everybody in all at once. Let's just uh, (laughs) let's just make this a little chaotic. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, as I bring you in here, just uh, yeah, just start talking. We'll just talk over each other. As usual, right? Just pretend we're at the liar's counter and whoever can speak the fastest and the loudest wins. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it all depends on the subject. Yeah, that's right. All right, so we might as well stick to efficiency. Has anybody been watching the uh, numbers coming out of NACV and um, the the run on less with the Tesla truck? I just saw the 1,000 miles that it achieved in a day. Yeah. Yeah, 1,000 miles in a day. They have uh, several of them that have done 800 miles in a day. They're not giving us all the details yet, but, but we're getting some. And, and from what I can gather, the people that are in there are kind of impressed. Well, from what I gathered, too, on that, having just talked to somebody involved with that, that they were, from what I gathered, they're heavy. Yeah, yeah, they've been running they doing- an average of like 70,000. And I Thanks. think several of the loads they were they were saying were eighty two thousand. They must be using their allowance. Thanks. Yeah, I heard. It. Yeah, that's what I thought right away that they were hauling potato chips or something. But no, <laughs> I was cor- I, I was corrected on that. Yeah the the other thing that confuses the numbers a little bit is a lot of the routes. Remember, this is Pepsi. A lot of the routes are these kind of pedal routes where they start at 82,000 pounds, but then they're doing 20 stops and they get lighter and lighter at every stop. I heard that wasn't the case on it, though. I heard it was between plant stuff that it was heavy both ways. Well, they're doing both and both both sets of numbers, I think, from I've read a couple articles on it, but both sets of numbers were kind of just they just they're doing averages and some of the runs are these pedal runs where it's really hard to calculate there because you get a little lighter every stop right so you end up really light yeah 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I, I do think electric vehicle technology has a lot of potential. I just hate the way we're doing it. Yeah, the electric is definitely, it, it definitely coming. There's there's no doubt about it. And it, it will, at some point, it's going to displace diesel. Um, no question about that. Uh, it looks like maybe it's possibly coming a little bit faster than what we anticipated based on some of the numbers we're seeing. But like you said, it gets convoluted when you start mixing different routes. And I mean, we're really going to have to break everything apart to understand exactly what's going on there. But it, it does initially look better than expected. You know, here's something we need it, to think about. Make ready, I, ready kilowatt would be happy. Yeah. I, I've said many times, if I had to pick the worst thing about driving, for me, it was getting fuel. I don't know why I hate that process so much. I still do when I'm on the road in the coach because I have to go through that same process. I got to go to the fuel islands. I got to go in. I got to. So I just hate that process. And now, if you look at it, yeah, they've they've documented this truck getting 800 miles a day, a thousand miles a day. But that's also fueling twice. Now, the first fuel was probably mm-hmm. overnight sitting there on the charger. You come into a charged truck, but to get that 800 miles, that means a half hour recharge somewhere during the day. You've got to take your 30 minute break anyway. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. You're right. You have to take a 30 minute break anyway. So if we can make those two things coordinate, we're, we're not that bad off. But, Kevin, where where I am with that, I keep trying to figure out how to make that on longer runs to make it work and how I could make it work in my operation. And I start thinking about the 7-3 split could probably make it work out pretty good because I'd only need to be able to get one seven-hour shot out of it. Yeah, here's the other thing I'm thinking of, though, that I haven't seen anybody mention. The, the, like I said, the process of getting fuel I hate. And why do I hate it? Because the fuel island's always jammed up. You're always waiting. There's not enough pumps. You get What's going to happen with electric? Do we think we're just going to pull up the chargers and plug right in and 30 minutes later pull away? <laughs> no. What if there's six trucks ahead of us? There's not going to be enough chargers, well, is my a guess. Lot of the, well, a lot of enough fuel pumps, diesel pumps. It, it'll be duty cycle dependent. I mean... A lot of these electric trucks are going to go to places like Pepsi that have yeah. their own internal infrastructure at their facilities, and that's how this is going to be refined and developed to start with. I mean, I don't think Henry's going to go out and buy an electric truck and try to run it on his route anytime soon. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. The infrastructure's yeah. not there. So now, it's, it, it's definitely going to be developed through these bigger companies that have their own internal infrastructure. They'll refine it. It'll get to the point where, okay, hey, look, it starts to make sense, and then we'll start to build out the infrastructure, I think. And there is an advantage. Yeah, I always remind myself that the trying big, big to, trucks probably didn't displace the horse and wagon right away. Oh, no, all of these things were, were long transitions over decades, not even years, it, decades that these transitions take. The one advantage electric has is building out a a network to deliver fuel is actually pretty complicated in ground tanks we have all kinds of problems with that but to build out a network of electric every building we go to already has electric you could be charging at every stop mm-hmm. if we build the network out right every time you back up to a dock you could be charging correct that is correct 
I wonder if they start saying we're not giving you detention money because we're giving you electricity. <laughs> well, it, it, it brings up a whole nother issue. Now I'm a shipper and I'm going to start charging people for electricity. It's a new revenue stream. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a possibility that happened. And, and we're looking at in Scandinavia where they're actually embedding stuff in the road. Right. So even on public roads, you're coming to stop signs and, and they're giving you microcharging as you're right. waiting at a stoplight or a stop, at stop signs. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out and develops. Yeah, really will. Wow. All right. Uh, Joel, you usually have one or two things that you've heard throughout the week. Anything you've heard lately you want to talk about? Um, well, I've got, uh, I've got my co-driver with me. I got Travis in the truck and I've been, uh, doing a little bit of training work, just kind of, um, giving them some pointers here and there. And we've been running as a team and things have been going very well. Um, we're doing a lot of loads in the 20 to 28,000 pound range, which allows us to stay axle up for the most part on these loads. And we've been running in that high 11, low 12 mile gallon range. I've been watching um, that. for the last, I don't know, 12, 13,000 miles anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, having a lot, having a lot of good luck, just getting Travis a little more refined and, and, uh, Hey, uh, doing doing quite well with the with the team stuff. Let's since let's tie that into our uh, our topic on electric. Um, if there were enough trucks on the road doing what you guys, all of you guys are are doing, um, we know it's possible. You're doing it. If there were enough trucks doing that, electric would mm-hmm. make no sense at all right now. Uh, that that's exactly right. Um, but it, but here's the thing. I think when you look at the electric trucks, I think there's a whole lot more speed management and time management going on with these trucks, more like an airplane almost than what people realize. You know, you may be looking at the results on the electric truck and maybe not looking at the average speeds and, and all the time management that goes into this. We're, we're essentially applying that same concept to the diesel just to optimize efficiency a whole lot of time and speed management's going into this. Yeah, and for point. whatever reason, right. the majority of people are just absolutely opposed to that in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I catch so much heat from people. Oh, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You got to manage your time and manage your speed. It's dangerous. You're going to kill people. And, and uh, so as an industry, we have a problem. I don't we care do what the problem. solution or what the technology is. Yes, if we're not willing to understand that we have to manage speed and time, um, it's a lost cause. Uh, electric will be especially hard to do because of the infrastructure issue. I can explain um, diesel this fuel to you. because the fuel is, is so dense. You know, you 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 can be wasteful and still make it to your delivery. I guess is a <laughs> yeah yeah good point. Um, I can explain this phenomenon. I think I, that I've the been, electric part that. I've been working with this a lot. It doesn't get talked about. Sorry. Yeah, here's 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 what, Joel, what you were just talking about. Here's why that exists. And I'm shocked by this, but I'm completely convinced now that even the majority of the people in the trucking industry, and I'm shocked that I have to say this, but it seems to me like the majority of people in this industry are so entitled now that they believe that they are entitled to a profit no matter what decisions they make. Kevin, I listened to your show where you had the... Oh, um, could, 
I don't know, that group that's advocating for right. And, and that's the first thing I thought of. These sound more like employee advocates rather than trucking company, uh, you know, lobbying for a, a trucking company. They sound like employee advocates. I, I tried and to tell them how, so many times during that call. Look, if we could just do one thing, if we could separate business owners from employee drivers, we could probably have a great conversation about how we could improve things for employee yes. drivers. But you keep I, I, throwing I business owners into this, and you're never going to get me to agree. They, they, they just want to treat everybody well, there like they're the same. And I'm like, it, 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 this is so insane. I can't believe I can't get this across to you. So employees have the right to organize. You yes. can't do that as a, as a business owner. You're not allowed to organize like that. Isn't that correct? <laughs> I tried to tell <laughs> yeah. that was probably the worst yes. point of the hey, whole call. I'm going to get off this call before I get arrested. <laughs> yeah. That's just a little bit towards racketeering. I know. That was probably well, the worst I, yeah. point in the whole call. I, 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 because at that point, I was well, screaming, exactly. you can't organize. And they were just saying, well, we're going to organize. And I'm like, I, I, I'm and, screaming no, at them now. Right. And, no, and you, you, no. Should, you, you shouldn't want to exactly. as a business owner. As right. a business owner, you should you should believe in your abilities and your ability to solve problems. You don't want to be constrained by some guy that bought a $300,000 W9 that's getting five miles to the gallon. When you've done your homework, you've done everything right, you've got a fuel-efficient truck. Do you really want to be constrained by the guy that doesn't know what he's doing. And that's what they're talking about. Right. They're, they're trying to make every, it's, it's social, socialism, it communism. Socialism that's what they're talking and about. Communism. Make everybody, exactly. make, make everybody equally worthless is what they're talking <laughs> yeah, about right. doing. Right. And it's, it's just, it, that was hard for me to listen to. It was painful. Here, here's the simple phrase that sums this up. As a business owner, all I really want, and I don't even care too much about this, but all I really want are equal opportunities. We never, ever want to push for equal outcomes. That's what these people want to push for. They want everybody to have an, they want to be able to stay in business no matter how bad their business decisions are. Correct. They don't yep. want to be held accountable you know for anything. Yes. Well, not at here, all. Here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. And I hate to say the, this, but it's, it's going to be a little harsh. But, you know, we want the people that cannot perform and cannot make a profit who have made bad decisions, who add to the capacity. Quite honestly, calling the herd is not a bad thing. No, we it, need it right now. It reduces capacity as it, should, right. as it should be. Yeah. You know, and it sounds harsh, but, you know. <laughs> What about Darwin, survival of the fittest? Uh, it, that, it, 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 it's how this business is a competitive works. industry. Yep. It, it's yep. how business so works and how business example. has to work. Yes, a great example, I think, of what yep. we're talking about is in the mid-70s when the automakers kind of had their way with the cars. We didn't see a lot of imports. We had very little competition, and we built complete total junk for yes, years. Yes, we did. I mean, the cars awful. were just junk running off awful. the line. They'd rust out in two years. They were awful for a decade. They were awful. Then we had the competition come back into the marketplace, and guess what? Everybody builds decent cars now. Some of the people that were in business aren't in business anymore, but 
that's the way well, things need to work. And, well, and when you start talking about, well, we have different life experiences and, um, you know, these people didn't succeed and, and well, a, a lot of them aren't going to. Correct. It's just the way it yeah. is. Yeah. Not, well, not yeah, everybody Packard, succeeds. Packard was not, once at, a great car. Not everybody gets a trophy, you know. It, it's just the uh, just the way it goes, and it was it was it was hard to listen to that. I, I mean, it would have been great if they were employees and they were talking about employee rights for truck drivers. I would have been cheering them on, but to listen to yeah. them, yeah, yeah, it was horrible. It, it was painful. It, it was absolutely painful, and, yeah. and I, I questioned myself for the rest of the day. Is this even worth doing? You know, I, I do it to try to help educate people that maybe haven't thought through all of these things. Because it, it seems like these groups have a much, much easier time recruiting people than I've ever had. Some, that some of these groups have like 40,000 members on Facebook. Now, they're not paying members. Mm-hmm. I get that. It's easy to click a button and say I've joined. But... I can't mm-hmm. build 40,000. I've never had 40,000 people in a group on Facebook. I think I got to maybe 25,000 with our health group, and that was tough. So it, it, it seems like this message that these people put out actually resonate with more people than our message does. Or they, or they usually lose me in a conversation as soon as they say, if we'd all just shut down. <laughs> oh, did you see the latest? me right there. Did you see the latest? This goofy group, Noah, whoever, they have absolutely lost their mind. Now, here's the latest. They believe that broker transparency is everything. It's why it's taking down our economy. Broke the issue of broker fraud and freight fraud is so bad that it's taking down our economy. Here's what they just asked for because the government said, Oh, yeah, you know that broker transparency issue? We're kind of looking at it, but we're going to put it off till next year. They just put it off till October of next year. They're not even going to look at it anymore. So now this group lost their mind over that. They are now calling for a total trucking shutdown from November 1st through the end of the year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Who's going to sure. pay my bills? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know, who's, hey, since I just did payroll yesterday, you're welcome, Joel. Who's going to pay Joel and Travis while they sit around, you know, Com- contemplating where they're going well, next. Alec, through the Alec, Alec, Alec is, come on now. You've got to be a, a team player. You've got to take one for the team here. Uh, I, you know what? I, I lost my mind. Please forgive me. <laughs> this is a great thing. We, we, we should encourage this because if they do get a bunch of people to shut down, obviously capacity tightens and rates go up. And it'll be a great better. thing for us. That's but, right. Uh, things will get better. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. No, no way in hell that I'm shutting down based on a a, a, a a goofy mindset. I guess is the the way to put it. I, I just I don't I don't believe in anything that they're talking about in terms of small businesses. I, you're independent. You run on your own. You make your own decisions. You stand on your own. You succeed or fail on your own. Hey. It's not the government you helping can't. you out. It's not a, a group of other people helping you out. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. And you go back and you drive a company truck where you probably belong. Hey, exactly. Alec. Exactly. Hey, Alec. 
Yes. I, I know you're a big yes, numbers sir. guy, and I know you're running the back office there. Yes. So, so I need to ask you, um, can you pull out your profit and loss for me real quick and tell me um, what number you guys are seeing as a loss to the business because of broker fraud? <laughs> you know, I don't... Have- I don't, you know what? I don't know whether I put that on the revenue side as a negative entry or do I put that down on the variable expenses? Hold on a second. Let me see. Where do I put that? Yeah, where is Let me that? See. It's such a big oh, he, problem for yeah, carriers. Well, it has to be there in our profit and you loss, know right? We have to be able to see the effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I'm going to put that in on the row number 40, right under variable expenses. Got and let it. me just put that broker fraud expense. Right. And then I got another question for you. I, I need your help in how to calculate that. I, I, I keep trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about here? That is such uh, a big problem. Look, I get it. There's double brokering going on. There's some freight fraud going on. It It is... As a big problem, I don't even know if it's a big problem yet. Is it growing? Yeah, it grows a little bit every year. This year seemed to be the year everybody was talking about it. But um, all the players that I'm aware of, um, DAT, Truck Stop, even Convoy, um, all three of them have already put things into place in their system to stop this. They've already eliminated tens of thousands of fraudulent accounts. So I didn't really see it as a big problem anyway. And the industry's already addressing it. Well, what, what, just a I convenient, don't, what, a convenient excuse for failure is all it is. I mean, any free market mm-hmm. enterprise or businesses, you're going to have a certain amount of fraud. You're going to have a certain amount of corruption. It's just the way it is. There's no, there's no industry segment here in any free market that's free of fraud or or corruption. It exists. It always will exist. There's nothing you can do to completely route, route it out. And the reason people are talking about it is we're in a down market and, and they've got to have some type of way to explain their failure. That's let me all give, you, let me give you one of the lines they used on me yesterday. I, I said, I just went in and I posted, look, the, the free market is already solving this problem. My, the people I work with don't see this as a problem at all. Um, their response was, well, if your solutions work, we wouldn't still be talking about this. And I said, well, first off, I'm not talking about it. You guys keep bringing it up. I don't ever talk about this. But, but I said, well, what's your solution? And they tried to just dodge the question several times. And then I kept, I kept saying, but tell me your solution. If, you, if my solution doesn't work, tell me what yours is. And finally, they came back with the, the code section that's already in the Motor Carrier Act that covers this. There's already a regulation. So that was their solution. And I said, wait a minute. You just said if my solution worked, we wouldn't talk about this. Your solution has existed for 50 years. Uh, if your solution worked, why are you still talking about this? I, I guess it should be left to everybody's individual solution. If you know that the broker shady, don't use them. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, say it's problem solved. Problem solved. So, I don't need the government to do it. I don't need a group to do it. If I'm dealing with a broker that I think is shady, guess what? I quit using them. Problem solved. Exactly. You know, my, my, my question... My question I'd like to ask these people, you don't like brokers, why are you still using them? And on your spreadsheet, what is your percentage of customers that you have directly? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So I've got a more basic question. What the hell is this so-called broker fraud? What is its definition? Is it double brokering? Is it making too much money that you agreed to haul the load for? What is it? <laughs> That's a good point because it's several things, it turns out. It could be that they, they just, the broker took more than they think the broker should be allowed to take, whatever the hell that means. Um, it could be a double broker yeah. load or it could actually be freight fraud where the freight is actually stolen. Those seem to be the three kind of big issues they claim are just taking down our economy. They're so bad. Do do these same people, Kevin, think it's ever a problem when a carrier steals a shipper from a broker after they hog for them and sign the contract? No, the carrier is never a problem. You know, if if you're late for an appointment... I'm I'm just trying to... If you're late for an appointment, yeah, and you get fined, it's because of all those evil shippers. Um, But you know, show up early, so they'll complain about both sides of the equation. You know, it's everybody else's fault, and everybody else needs to be regulated. The shippers need to be forced to pay detention time, and the brokers have to have their profit controlled. I guess those two things have to happen before these people can succeed. Let's go back to electric trucks. Uh, Besides, Kevin, it seems like that had an effect on you because I kept hearing you saying you were shocked. Yeah, you know how electrifying. Exactly. (laughs) No, I'm going to go back to um, I'm going to go back to bitching about how expensive it is to maintain equipment these days. I just got a uh, my shop's my coach has been in the shop for almost a year. We've redone everything. It's been really expensive. Yesterday, they were buttoning it up, and I was going to pick it up today, and they called me and said, yeah, we got a little problem. One of your inverters just bit the dust. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's a problem, but throw an inverter in. Come on. And they're like, well, it's a little harder than that. They don't make that inverter anymore. Uh, We used to repair them, but nobody repairs them anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, get a different inverter. Well, everything's changed, so we can't buy one because it won't work with your other one. we got to buy two. I'm like, all right, we'll get two inverters then. (laughs) Well, it gets worse than that because the control system for the two inverters doesn't isn't compatible with the new inverter. So now we have to buy a new control system too. And even then I'm thinking, okay, two inverters, a control system, $8,000 to fix inverters. Oh, Oh, you got to love it. And I was supposed to be picking it up today so I can start getting ready for this trip. Now it's going to be two weeks from today. Oh, wow. I know. I complained wow, about it twice already today. That's too, probably right? enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, now i got to switch my whole schedule around. Well, I'm not the, sure being an elect- 
Being electricity has a little bit of a hard subject for you. How about if we look into external combustion? <laughs> I was recently watching a video of an old steam-powered truck over in Great Britain. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, there you go. I'll bet. Maybe external combustion. Driver had to go big. Maybe we should take some phone calls. Absolutely. Because I just looked, and they're starting to pile up on us. So people want to talk. Let's let them. Let's uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Eric, welcome. I've got two questions for y'all. One is economy related. One is aerodynamic related. Which one do we want to attack first? Uh, aerodynamics. Oh, uh, I always want aerodynamics. Yeah. Uh, well, I switched operations on an end dump now. It's a 39-foot trailer, and the aerodynamics are absolutely horrid. So this is a box dump, and it's got uh, five ribs and then the tail. And these ribs are not just little ribs. These ribs are about eight inches in width, thick out probably about four inches. So I was considering grabbing some aluminum sheet and um, and just going from rib to rib on that aluminum sheet with that aluminum sheet and doing, I don't know, five or four sections on each side. I am a little bit weight sensitive, not much. Um, that's why I'm thinking aluminum. My question is, if I go out and spend $600 on getting all this sheet and get these on there, are we talking a pretty significant improvement, you think, just based on the depth of those ribs? I'm thinking it, it would be pretty significant. I mean, going from dry van to this trailer, I'm down two miles per gallon easily, just running 62 miles an hour. So that well, definitely directionally, that would be correct. And, you, you know, especially when you got something that's that bad. You shouldn't have a whole lot of money tied up in that, so your ROI should be pretty quick. Um, when you, as soon as you started talking about end dumps, I started thinking about that operation. I think they're up out of Illinois or somewhere up there, Beelman, that had end dumps with side skirts on them. So evidently, they so, found something there. So the guy who would have the best, yeah, yeah, they I, best hard numbers on ahead. this kind of stuff uh, is Steve Crone. Steve has done this on trailers. He's yep, completely he, covered the bottom. I do need to reach out to him. Yeah, it, it, he'll be able to give you yeah, some he, a lot of. He's like maybe an hour, numbers. hour and a half away from me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Yeah, I, I just I hate to I go have an idea and spend all you. that money on this, and then yeah, I have so. an idea for you. Since you're weight sensitive. Let, let's just let's. Well, wait, wait. Going to screw around with aluminum. Let's do this with carbon fiber. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, yep. I'm giggling yeah, we, as we, I say we, that. We could tap it; it'll shatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to go mean, out and get a serious dollar, right? I, yeah, it's Stop probably it's, it's probably only going to cost us ten <laughs> or twelve grand to cover the bottom of the trailer with carbon fiber, but it'll be light. Yeah. Hey, that stuff's really strong. They build submarines out of it. Exactly. Should be no problem. Right. Henry, you're you're right. Bielman, Bielman knows how to spec a trailer. They really know how to spec a trailer. And they're great trailers, but uh, I'm in a different operation they are they are. I mean I can haul pretty heavy axles. Their trailer wasn't last me even a few days in, with what I haul. 
Um, so that that's why I, I never kind of adapted anything that they run on their trailers. I got a frameless end dump, so doing a side skirt is pretty much out of the question because my pivot point's in the middle, and this thing goes up almost 36 foot in the air. So um, that, that, that's that. So I'll get a hold of Steve Crone. And uh, and maybe he, we, I can hire him to yeah. to help me with this project and, and try to see what kind of games we can get and get that up in fuel gauges. So there you go. Um, my next question is: I'm sure you, Steve you really would have think, a lot of good ideas on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure, especially after seeing him set up there. So, um, you, you, Kevin, you really think that we're gonna hit a recession with? All of the consumer confidence out here, and the reason I ask that, and the reason I present the question is, I have friends. Some are very wealthy, very very wealthy, and some are just you know line workers. They work at a at a salvage yard. Some people work as welders, and it seems like the guys that are like blue collar welders, you know, they they do well for themselves, and and they live within their means. They're, they can't wait for election year. They don't care about anything right now because Trump or DeSantis is getting in next year. And that's all they care about. And you talk to these guys, like one of my buddies is a financial planner. He went out and bought a, a lake house. And this is a second house for him. And they live in a beautiful home in, in Milwaukee. This, their payment's 4800 a month. They said, dude, what's your interest rate? He's like, just under 8%. I said, what the hell? He goes, well, we signed an arm. I'm going to refinance in two or three years when the interest rate goes down. They, wait a minute. What makes you think that's going to happen? Wait, wait a minute. I, he's a financial yep. planner and he just signed an arm? Yep. <laughs> yep. Because he's going to refinance because he's convinced the interest rate's going right back down to three in less than two years. Uh, well, good Tell luck me your with, rationale. I don't get it. Well, yeah, good luck with that. That is a total crapshoot. There is no logic behind that. I, the, so the, the odds my, are... My point here that, being... That rates yep, are going you, you, up you're still. Right. Now, at some point, when we yep. think we've reached the top of the rates, that's when you sign an arm, not now. Yep. Yep. I agree. I, uh, I, I do not like arms at all. I don't either. After the the collapse. Yeah. Especially after that economic collapse we went through, I don't trust any of those tools anymore. I don't think they're tools. I think they're traps. They are. Right. uh, You know, I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, the higher end, they're optimistic because we'll get a Republican in office. We'll start drilling oil and we'll get back into a boom cycle quick. And the lower end, they don't care about any of the economics. They're just optimistic of a Republican getting in office and they're hopeful of Trump. Now, I don't really care who it is as long as the Republican, but do you really think, do you think that consumer confidence is really keeping our economy so, where it is right now? Like, does it uh, have that much of an impact? It does. It does. Consumer confidence is big. If people think that they yeah. can just keep spending money, they'll just keep spending money, and it does support the economy until it can't anymore. And that's what we're afraid of, is that we're getting to that point where we can't support this kind of irrational spending anymore. I feel like ever since this administration got in, I'm in the twilight zone, because while we stay conservative with our cash, you know, our, our blue-collar worker friends, and our upper class friends, 
have been reckless in how they do things, not even being cautious, and they are doing very well. Everybody stuck in the middle of being cautious is just not, that, that's what sucks. You're right. Yeah. I, I agree. No matter no matter who no matter who gets in office, it just can't be sloppy well, Joe again. But so, there's something so else we have to I, think the, the about. Dictatorship I, gets, I, um, I, I hate to confuse <laughs> this issue even more, but the president doesn't matter all that much. Well, I mean, we're putting so much faith into one part of the government that it, maybe we get a Republican president, but what if we don't really get any kind of control in Congress? Then then this stuff just continues. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I don't. I just I wanted your opinion on that, and I that, just I feel like consumer confidence is just through the roof yet, and I I don't understand why because I'm not confident. You bring up a good point but, that um, I hadn't thought about though. It, it, it's this it's this uh, obsession from both sides about Trump. One side obsessed with he's a criminal and they are not going to be happy until he's in jail. And the other side thinking he is the savior of our country and our economy. Both of them are deluded. Neither one of those scenarios is probably going to happen. Well, I think... Consumer confidence and the number of illegals in this country, the number of illegals are definitely boosting demand for consumer products and the number and the consumer confidence. I think that 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 combination is kind of keeping us from going down where we need to be to make a correction. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And there is another phenomenon that could occur because people do seem to kind of lose their mind about Trump. One way or the other, both sides have kind of lost their mind. There is the possibility that if Trump becomes the candidate and wins, that it will boost confidence and it won't be correct. Him being in office isn't going to change a whole lot in our economy, not anytime soon. We're, we're too far gone for that. That's why I say it doesn't really matter who does what. I think the economy is on a track that we can't right. stop right now. Do you think that he did that speech to the UAW workers? Do you think he did that purposely to try to draw viewers away from the Republican debate? Oh, of course. Of course he did. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The world we live in. I know. Hey, thanks for your time, guys. I appreciate your help as always, and I value your opinion. So you guys have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, let's go to Tennessee. Paul, it's cloudy here, too. What are you complaining about? It's probably warmer where I am, though. You have to get up early and milk your chickens anyway. That's right. Um, so that, that previous caller with his end up, I do have a tip for him. When he's empty, keep his tarpaulin rolled over to keep that thing covered and keep it as tight as you can. I'll be paying attention to aerodynamics a lot more. So. Yeah, and, and I know so, you car haulers are all into aerodynamics. Me, anyway. <laughs> so, so Joel might not be aware of this, but so I, I left home on Monday to go get my new trailer, so just had the truck. 
So 26,000 pounds roughly, empty weight, three axles, nothing lifting up. But I did 635 miles and got 9.07 miles to the gallon on that day. Then Tuesday, hooked up to my trailer, we had to run the engine PTO and make sure everything worked. And then I went up, got loaded. Actually, that was Wednesday when I got loaded. And my next fuel up was 680 miles, and I averaged 7.73 miles a gallon. That included loading as well. <coughs> Yesterday, I only did a partial fuel up, so I don't know what my miles per gallon is till I fuel up to today. But I think I'm probably still in the six-mile-per-gallon range. And my new trailer is about 300 pounds lighter than my old one, I think. But after talking with Steve Crone at Mid-America, and the more I think about it, you know, I always thought, it don't matter what truck I have, I'm always aerodynamically ugly, but I can't change the load. But when I'm empty, I think an aerodynamic truck does make more difference than a classic Peterbilt. Like Steve, like a Volvo, he's Steve Crone, he said, well, you still got that ugly frame hanging out the front when you're empty, but if you can keep it flat, and he said, compare it to a Peterbilt, the Volvo is a lot more aerodynamic. He said, you get rid of the trash cans off the side of it. And then he said, if you could make the sleeper where it goes right out to the side of the head rack, which is 102 inches wide, which is the sleeper that I'm planning on building, it's going to be 102 inches wide. It's going to be a custom sleeper. So I think going to an aerodynamic truck, when I'm loaded, I'm still going to be ugly. But when I'm empty, I can be less ugly than a Peterbilt. So one of the things you really have to consider when you're thinking about aerodynamics or really rolling resistance or anything, it's the actual versatility of the truck that's going to have a significant impact on how much benefit you get from the increased arrow or the reduced uh, rolling resistance. So when we talk about um, adaptability in your spec, and this is where the iTorque spec excels, having an overdrive that you can actually use at extremely low RPM to really leverage the advantage of the re reduced horsepower required because of that aerodynamics is key. If you have traditional gearing and you make a significant improvement in aerodynamics, you're going to get a little bit of a bump, but not as much as you could get. So when you're thinking about this, you really, really have to take a holistic approach and you can't separate aerodynamics from the mechanical drag part and the rolling resistance. It all plays together. And if your drivetrain can't operate at a low enough RPM to bring the horsepower requirement down and the piston speed down to where it matches demand and application match, then you're not going to get the full benefit of any aerodynamic improvement you make or any reduction in rolling resistance. Getting demand and application um, to match going down the road is key to making everything work better. And it's a, it's a point that the majority of people miss, and it's why we're starting to see 11, 12, probably going to go to 13 miles a gallon here on the next truck because we're really starting to understand that we have to have the gearing 
to to optimize the aerodynamics and the rolling resistance. And if you don't have that, you don't get the full bump. Yeah, well, when I do that, that Texas, Texas to Texas, Texas to Oklahoma, I just go back empty. So I'm 50% empty when I, when I do that stuff, which I'm like just this week getting those nine and eight miles for the eight and nine miles of the gallon. It's like, I imagine doing that every day and still being loaded with the trader on for, or getting, mm-hmm. even get, even get, I'm aiming for seven. If I can build the truck I want to build, which hopefully I can, I'm going to have to get with someone at Volvo and work it out, but I want to build a VNL, but sort of customize it and make it a VAH sort of cut the roof off. Well, well what you use one of the on um, the car carriers that I still remember. I still remember when they ran them smaller tires on the lead axle and had a liftable pusher under them years ago. Yeah, well, Many years ago, I know. Six, even if I could get a six foot two, where I might not be able to get the axle off the ground, but I only got to drive one axle and just have one lazy one. Oh, sure. All of it helps. Sure. Any. Anytime you can reduce the mechanical drag, it, it, it absolutely helps. But one of the one of the things in, in our mindset that really has to change, and I know we talk about this all the time, and, and it, it, the more I learn about this, the more I want to pull my hair out every time I hear it. You know, we, we talk about drop and boost pressure to zero while we're going down the road or trying to, and that's not what we want to do. We want to have boost pressure in the engine. We want the RPM low, though, so we don't want the high piston speed associated with the boost pressure. The more boost we can make at low piston speed, the more efficient you are. And that's lost on a lot of people. You know, we've gotten to that habit of just yeah. saying, get the boost pressure as low as possible. It's a mistake. It will uh-huh. it will hamstring you. You get into that nine mile a gallon range with that mindset, and you're you're kind of done in, in there. You might get to 10 possibly, but you're not going to go much higher than that. You need to have the engine that makes horsepower at very low piston speed, and you need boost in order to make that horsepower. It, the key is having the piston speed at, uh, at, you know, very low while you're making boost. And, and and by definition, you're more efficient doing that. And that's more efficient in multiple ways because it's also very efficient for the after-treatment system by keeping heat in it. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And that's, a, that's another kind of thing that hamstrings us when we take a new truck and we're trying to lay the boost down to nothing um it, it's hard on the emission system because we just don't have the heat that's required to make that thing work the way that it should and uh when we do have some boost down there you're exactly right we've got heat in there everything's working the way it should efficiency goes way way up and it, it's just a different way of looking at things we've never really had the gearing potential in the past to do these types of things that we can do now and i think we're going to start seeing this more and more and we, we've got to get out of the mindset of you know low boost pressure while we're cruising down the road we want boost pressure but we want it at low distance speed hey joel you're, you're making my life mm-hmm. more difficult i'm just gonna say it one time i, I, I know, you, I, know. <laughs> I still have to take calls from people with mechanical engines i know i know and gearing that's traditional and in that case 
lay in the boost pressure. It's your only real option. Correct. So you, right. that's what it, you have to roll with. You're, you're kind of stuck doing that. And, but and with on today's those trucks, trucks, let me say the this. way we have gearing. And on yeah. those trucks, mm-hmm. if we get those guys to nine, and if we got them to 10, Steve might be one of the few we see at 10 with that kind of a truck. We are over the moon happy. Mm-hmm. Th- that's all we expect we're sure. ever going to get out of those trucks. I mean, we have other challenges. Those are sure. older trucks. They don't have the gearboxes we've got now. They don't have the aerodynamics we've got now. So if we can get those guys to 9 or 10, and this is how we do it, we are over the top happy. Um, but it's a challenge. Sure. Taking these calls and trying to, it's no different than some of the criticism I get in the past when I say, you know, you should be doing this for fuel economy. And I get six calls saying, well, I can't do that in my operation. I I know that. But I can't answer every question with, you can do this if you do this and this and this, but you can't do it if you do this and this and this, or if you have this truck or that truck. uh, So I, I get it. Everything you just said is absolutely true. It's a challenge on this show. Yes, it applies very specifically to newer we, trucks, and it, it has no application to older trucks. That's we, exactly. We hey, guys, I got to get some paperwork here. So, Okay, go ahead. You coming back? Oh, well. We'll yeah, see I'll be in back. a second. Okay. Um, oh, I just had a thought. Uh, what was it? Oh, Chicken milking. I, I told, totally cool. lost. It was... Uh, uh, the challenge of Something trying to do this with all the... Oh, no, I know what it was. I had a call the other day, and I can't remember the details. But it was a new truck. I think it may have been a Volvo. It was being used in a local, you know, heavy equipment, moving stuff. Or, no, it was an, an X-15. That's what it was. It was an X-15. And when we asked the guy what his RPM was at, like, 65, I think, it was over 1,600. At 65. Yeah. So I said, I know exactly what happened here. This is a heavy equipment company that moves stuff around local. They're they're still gearing trucks like they were 30 years ago. This thing's got like 390s or 410s or something in it. Some goofy number that... 30 years ago. But it's a heavy haul truck. It it was set up... It's not a road tractor. That is a heavy haul spec. It is. You know, Cummins needs the RPMs to be more responsive and so on. Now, you never want to use it in in our... This was too extreme. You you don't need those kind of low gears to make an X-15 do that. No, No. and if you try to take a truck like that and you run it at, you know, in a highway application type of speed, you know... yeah. Well, it, your fuel economy is going to be they're complaining about, and your emission systems are going to be a wreck. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yep. that's what we're and dealing with. And the blame with will be laid who, where it doesn't need to be blamed. Yeah, it, it, we're dealing yeah, with the companies. brokers are responsible. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the brokers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we could blame it on the, the, the sales guys because, come on, isn't that their job? When somebody comes in to spec a truck and all they know is the way they've specced it for the last 30 years, shouldn't somebody at the company say, hey, you might want to look at something a little different? They're getting much better at that, though. I got to I gotta give them credit. They're getting much, much better at that than they were. I hope so. Okay, I'll let you get to the next guy. All right. Thank you much. You're welcome. Let's... Uh... 
Let's see, we are off to Florida this time. Tony, welcome. Just right here. Okay. Tony. I know he's back there, I can hear him. Tony? All right. Oh, yeah, I'm actually unloading the truck. Well, stop unloading and talk uh, to us. Kevin. Your priorities are screwed up. You're you're in the you're in the presence of excellence here. Don't blow it. I know, Joel. Sorry about this. All I had to say today was that I want to see more fuel economy when we're going highway speed. Because if it's at sixty miles an hour, sorry guys, it doesn't count. Fifty-five okay. is highway speed in my one. book. Uh -oh. Yeah. Uh -oh. Who, who's running 50 miles okay. an hour? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, wait, I am on highway cruise speed. Uh, hold on. Right yeah. now, I'm looking at the speed limit here, and it says 55. <laughs> That's highway speed. But, yeah. but so, both, both of you guys are out running much, much higher speeds than that and still putting down... Really awesome. <laughs> a numbers. lot higher. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Tony, there's a difference between cruise speed and average speed. So, you know, cruise speed, we all understand you set the cruise control, the speed limit's 65, you're going 65, whatever. Um, the average speed that Joel posts frequently and that we. Yeah, we keep I know about the business side and all of that, and oh, I apologize. Okay. I, I do have to unload this truck. I can't listen. Uh, I know about all that. I know okay. the business side. I do 60 miles myself. I know that it saves fuel, but I think we don't want to encourage people to obstruct traffic. I know you get it all the time. Believe me, I'm on your side, but just can we please do something different and level the playing field, do the speed limit all the time, or else you really can't brag about uh, getting 12 miles a gallon. I want to see 12 at 70 miles an hour, and then I'll be impressed also. I know Suzanne is listening from that program. Those people have nothing. I called them, by the way, oh, to you do uh, damage control, and it worked. Yeah, and they, they're actually pretty nice people. They're not involved with NOAA just a little bit, and I am risking my job by, uh, by talking to you guys because this guy is like, you're wasting my time. So, But priority, you guys come first. Um, they're, they're actually pretty nice people. Pretty, you know, hey. a little left-leaning, but, hey, but not hey. as bad as you think. Well, no, wait a minute. I I actually thought the non-trucking group was making sense. That's the group I was trying to engage with. On the employee side, they have some decent ideas. I think they're a little too far left for me, but at least I could have talked yeah. to them. There, there was middle ground I could have created with them. The The guy that was there, I forget his name right now, hell, it was like he was saying everything I was saying. It's the trucking group I had yeah. the big problem with. Those are the that those were the people who, who just don't understand business period and couldn't seem to, to, to distinguish between an employee driver and a business owner. Yeah, I, and his name uh, shoot, come on now. Dennis uh Rand Billy Randall, okay? Billy Randall was the guy you're talking about. He actually has a decent idea with reefers in Florida, but yeah, you're right. A, a little, he, he's pretty close to the NOAA, so I won't really, anyway, 
Didn't want to get into that. Just wanted to clear Suzanne and Ryan's name and Brooke. I just I wanted to clear their name because they're pretty decent. Ryan, you know? I think but, Ryan was the guy the that I agreed with almost everything he said. And if you if you actually knew what he was up to as far as brokers and being an independent, uh, you would be seriously impressed and you, you'd want to like collaborate. But I'm not going to give that away right now. I know Suzanne's going to be listening and probably Ryan too as well. Uh, thanks to me. Um, but, but yeah, more on that later. Right now, Joel, now? I need that truck in 13th gear or 14th gear. I need it well, at 70 here's, miles an hour. Here's, and I need to see that 15. Here's what so, you can do. Mathematically, you can just make the adjustment. It's a tenth of a, a mile a gallon for every mile an hour. And so if I'm averaging 55, I'm running 62, add eight mile an hour, take eight tenths off it, and that's going to be about your 70 mile an hour yeah. speed fuel efficiency. And it's damn because, impressive. Because I don't want a level playing field. I, I, I want to use every advantage I have as a business owner. I do not want a level playing field. If I've got something figured out that's to my advantage, you bet your ass I'm going to use it. And managing my speed and my time is part of my big advantage, I feel, that I have over most other operations. And, and Joel, let me say this, because I love the way you just said that. But we also shouldn't forget, you share everything you know and learn. Correct. It's not like you're hiding this stuff. You're posting it everywhere. You come on this show every week and help people (laughs) achieve the same thing you're doing. Correct. Isn't the silence deafening? No, but yeah, Joel, sorry. Before before I posted all kinds of crap on Facebook, I wanted to come on here first, you know, before I just go on Facebook and say, ah, it doesn't count. Ah, you guys are, are uh, promoting, uh, obstructing traffic. No, it just, no. I, I think you can get me 15 miles per gallon in that truck. It might have to be all downhill, but in uh, at 70 miles an hour, then I'll be impressed. And that's going to be the conversation because I know everyone is dying for me to say that. Oh, you go 55. Oh, it doesn't care. Oh, it's cheating. Ah, I, okay. Let's level the playing field and see what we can do. And by the way, this, this just in, I'm going to change trucks and um, I'm not saying what kind, but, but because of fuel economy, um, possibly in the next week. There you go. Hey, Tony, I have a, uh, I have, a, I have an idea. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, the subject, hang, though, hang, well, hold on here. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Go for it, Henry. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much faster anybody wants to run than what I'm running. I mean, I've been doing that because my runs are so tight. I've been running 75 when it's right. 75, 70 when it's 70, and and I'm averaging 10 and a quarter lifetime. So. Uh, yeah, is Pretty, every load that, that's heavy? faster no. than I ever want to drive. Hell, I, I'm getting so old these days. Yeah. I drive 60 in my personal vehicle everywhere I go. I'm just not in a hurry. And when I said I'm risking my job, I'm really not. It's just it is a customer, but it's not my customer. So what do I care? <laughs> hey, did I just say a benefit of going to broker? Did I just actually give brokers a way out? No. Um, no. Unfortunately, this is a broker that I have a relationship with though. And, and it's really working out well. If, if I told you the half of it, uh, you wouldn't believe it. Whoever said that the owner of, I hate brokers trucking would be 
would be applauding brokers. Um, but yeah, they, there can hey, be that. Hey, Tony, Tony, the world has gone insane. Yeah. Cats are barking <laughs> and dogs are meowing and Tony is praising brokers. What the hell has happened to our world? I was going to say that Joel's, Joel's fuel economy is inflated because he's going slow. I was going to mention that, but and I'm glad you reminded me. But, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you should probably go go satisfy that non-customer. Right. Sorry. Sorry I missed you, Paul. Let's carry on. We'll, we'll see you later. All right. Have fun. Let's uh, – we are – You know, I was just going to go jump ahead, in. Yeah. One comment on that. Rather than Joel going faster because it just hurts our operation, if they want to run slower and put benchmark their operation to what we're achieving, you know, it can go both ways. It's not that Joel has to go faster to, to assuage the critics. If they want to see what they can achieve, why don't they slow down? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'll, I'll add to I'll that. I'll just put thought. that out there. I'll add it to that. It goes both ways. Right. The, mm-hmm. the people who come up with that, well, he was so light. Well, he was going downhill with the tailwind that day. Those people are all the ones that are getting like <laughs> five and a half miles to the gallon. I, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, any we could do Driving anything trucks to that improve. wouldn't get 10 miles to the gallon no if you dropped them out of a plane. Exactly. Right. They make the comment as yeah. though that's the only reason you get that kind of fuel economy. It's not even close. That That's one small part of it. Well, no. you, know, you, you know what's very odd with this? So when I had when I was doing my furniture on a regular basis, okay, that was a lighter duty cycle. That was, you know, we we're emptying out as we went. It, it, it got fairly light. So I purposely went to Schneider. To do a regular, everyday, you know, Joe Blow duty cycle. You're part of the problem. You went to Schneider. I went to every everyday Joe Blow duty cycle, and everybody says I'm still running light loads everywhere. So I don't know. I guess I've got some kind of magic dust I'm sprinkling on everything because no matter what I do or who I'm pulling for or where I'm running, it's downhill, it's light with a tailwind, and no matter what. Hey, hey somebody just uh, – No matter what. Somebody so. just sent me a thought on this, and it kind of lightened the mood a little bit. It says – this topic of speed reminds me of George Carlin's thoughts. Anyone who drives slower than me is an idiot. Anyone who drives faster is a maniac. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It's, you know, it's so weird when you're on social media and you get guys that want to critique you, which I'm, I'm more than open to. I, I love listening to how people's thoughts work and how their minds work. But it's just amazing how everybody believes that their situation universally applies across the board and there can only be one way of doing something and if you're doing it different you're wrong you're stupid you don't know what the hell you're talking about and only my way can work and it's just it's it's kind of funny i don't know that's a really good point and and what they fail to realize is in all of these issues there is so much nuance and you can't explain that to people they either get it or they don't well, what's so funny with all that, I gave up posting average speed because if you're in a traffic jam, which hurts your fuel mileage, it drops your average speed way down. You know, so I pretty much post average cruise speed. 
because you can't control the other part anyway. So one thing that I am noticing when I was doing furniture with the multiple stops, you know, I'd have 30 or 40 stops on a load. And so we spent a lot of time in urban situations, a lot of time with traffic, a lot of stopping and starting. Now that I'm doing a, a team thing and we're basically running dock to dock for the most part, even though we're running significantly heavier, my fuel efficiency's up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, uh, it's duty, duty cycle dependent for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. And those trailers are less aerodynamic So, um, as we do it. Yeah, let's throw in more variables. Bearings aren't adjusted, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's grab another call, and I will let you know. It's our last call on the board. If you want to jump in here, now would be the time. 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Tom, welcome. I've had a lot of calls from Oregon today. Yeah, you guys all trying to surround no, me. me. What's again. going I'm, on here? I'm ho- it's me again. I'm hogging the the board. Hey, I had a real quick uh, quick question for Joel and Henry and Alex. Now, um, for, this is for instance. So right now I'm running uh, thirty thousand four hundred on my drives, and I've got. Thirty-three thousand nine hundred on my uh, tandem. Uh, what in in when it comes to fuel efficiency? Have you noticed if you have load that's the opposite? If, if you have more weight on your, how do I want to do do it? If I have a choice, this so one I have a choice on your drive. You have a choice. Drive. You, you always always want it on the drive. Drive axles are designed to run most efficient when fully loaded. And it optimizes your tire footprint for better traction. It helps with your rolling resistance. There's a whole lot of things that uh, are in play there, but you always want to be heavier on the drives when possible. That's what I think. Let's, because it just let's tire scrub everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. The easy way to remember that is it's easier to pull a load than drag a load. Well, that's what that's what I figured. Is it is it quite significant? Can be, um, especially if, if you're in, uh, in cold weather, uh, where the, the the compounding of the tire really needs to have an optimal contact patch in order to get full traction and take benefit of your low rolling resistance tires. Uh, it, it it can be depending upon you know, the, the, the duty cycle and the, the circumstances that you're running under, it, it definitely can have an impact, and it can be a noticeable impact. Perfect. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You have a good weekend. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see. Um, looks like we've got some calls coming in here. So uh, we'll get those screened, and we'll get to a couple more calls. 855-950-3835 if you want to jump in. We've got about 45 minutes left or so. We will not be doing a space today. I gotta, Somebody's got to go let the chickens out. So i got to go get stuff done. I was hoping I was going to be picking up my coach right after the show today, but that's changed. So i got to find something productive to go do today before I get behind. So... Uh, let me look through my notes. I thought I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about today, but I lost my notes. 
Anybody have anything? While you're thinking about that, it, it, while you're thinking about that, it's nice to have company in the club of always being downhill. I used to hear it all the time. Joel, thanks for taking some of that heat. <laughs> yeah, it's a little crazy for sure. I mean, it's just a, it's never, never ending. But I, I get a kick out of it. Some of these guys, it's just so funny to listen to them and bitch and complain over nothing. And and I don't know. It's you funny. know, one of the responses that really kind of confuses me when when you say something like, "Well, if you do this, you can improve your fuel economy to this, and it saves you this much money." And the the immediate response I get is, "Well, not everybody can do that." Oh, okay. Let me go work on a strategy that everybody can do, and I'll get back to you. Kevin. Kevin, you'd be better off sticking to going to let the chickens out. Uh, you're right. Uh, it just yeah. makes me crazy. <laughs> of course not everybody can do it. When did I ever say that? The best one I ever had was I, I, I got a comment, and I'll never forget it, that my truck wouldn't hold up a day hauling out of the quarry like he does. Oh, please. And I'm like... <laughs> Please, come on. My truck's never, it's it's also not a good tow truck, a cement truck. <laughs> There's a whole series of things my truck is not good at. It, it, yeah. I, I promise you it you know, won't it, make an efficient vehicle for Uber either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all of this goes back to your comment two weeks ago, Kevin, about can't and won't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, 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 it you know, they just won't do it. It's not it, that they can't do it. Is you, you know, know in take health, what works and apply it. Right. In health, I have this really, really strong belief that you never try to fix something until you identify what the root cause of the problem is. And our medical system does the opposite. Mm -hmm. They never care about the root cause. All they care about are what are the symptoms and can we make them go away? We don't care if we're fixing the problem or not. So I got thinking, how, how do I apply that logic and thought process to this? And what I, it's, it's what you just said, Alec. I think the root cause, if we really want to dig down to this, is just mindset. That, that's the root cause. It's attitude. It, yeah, it, it's mindset, it's attitude, it's your thought process. And that, their thought process mm -hmm. seems to be that nothing works so just just go do what you're going to do. And we should get paid enough to make up for it all. That that seems to be their thought process. And I think that's what's broken. I think that's the root cause. Well, it does make it easier for folks like Alec, Joel, and myself, and Travis as well, with the fact that a lot of people just don't want to adopt these things. It's, it's, like, I can't figure out why. I, me and Joel were just having this conversation you would think on road tractors, road tractors, the six by two liftable, for example, which is something me and Joel definitely have in common, would be the norm, and the six by four would be the oddity. But nope, not that it, way. It, it, that applies. It's not like to, it's new technology. This has been that, around that, since forever. That applies to almost yeah, everything. Seventy years, too, eighty right? years. It, it applies to yeah, almost yeah. everything. Not only are we not doing things the best way we could be doing them, we tend to do them the worst way. It's not even like we're in the middle somewhere. Uh, that, that's, 
Exactly right. Um, Our average fuel efficiency with the technology that we have today is horrific. It is. When you look at it in an overall sense. And I got to believe, Kevin, and this is something that you can tie into your health. I believe that speed is somehow addictive to a lot of people. There's dopamine and endorphins involved there. And I, I believe that people are addicted to speed. Oh, that's a good and point. They just they just can't they just can't slow down. I mean, when you listen to some of these guys talk, you know, for for years I heard, well, if you're leased to a company like Schneider, you can't slow down because you can't make your delivery. Oh, please! They dispatch at forty-seven and a half mile exactly. an hour average. Right. Yeah, and so you're 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 making up excuses to run faster when you don't need to, and I believe it has to do with whatever chemicals are released in your brain. The faster you go, you know, the more hyper aware you become, the more kind of jacked up you get. I think people become addicted to that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you're onto a, something. It's a little out there, but it's the, it's it's the only way that I can explain it. It's not rational when you sit and talk to people and they insist that you have to run that fast and they'll start making up shit. It's dangerous. And you're going to kill, <laughs> who's going to kill people? The guy going 75 well, or the guy going 55, you know, you can take this out. of You can take this out of trucking and go into the automotive world where the number one selling vehicle is a truck. And then they want to comp- complain that fuel's high. Yeah, let's, no, that uh, doesn't go together. And 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 then the reasoning is, I want to sit higher. Let's really? Go, yeah. Let's go back to that. <laughs> I guess fuel's not high enough yet. Let, let's go back to that issue of <laughs> speed and and all of that, and take a look at this idea of. I, I'm going to apply this to something that's in the news right now. I don't care about this issue one way or the other. It is a total non-issue to me. And that issue is the speed limiter thing they're fighting again. And we've been fighting for about 20 some years, mm-hmm. as far as I can remember. If, if the industry were truly, if they truly cared about safety, this would be a completely different argument. What our industry is saying, we can't have split speed limits because that's unsafe. I, I'm not sure that there's any real proof that that's mm-hmm. true. But I'll go with it. Okay, if you're it's, right. It's proof the other way around, actually. I, I know, I know. But but we'll, we'll give them this. Let's just say, okay, you're right. Split speed limits are unsafe. If you truly cared about safety, you wouldn't be lobbying to go as fast as cars. You would be lobbying to get cars slowed down. Slowed down, exactly. You'd be lobbying to go back to 55 for Correct. everybody. Right. I'll, I'm with you then. All right. No split speed limits. We'll all go 60 or whatever number we decide on. Because if you really cared about safety, that's what you would be pushing for. Well, and, and not only that, if 55 was good, 45 would be better. <laughs> well, but just think, just think at, just think at 55, what that's going to do to capacity. Oh, it would be awesome. Rates are going to go through the roof. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yes. Yes. And you're, you're, your operating expenses are going to go right. down to bare right. minimums yeah. and your fuel efficiency is going to get better. Like, so everything about that is good for the industry, but not a single soul advocates for that. Right. But, but wait a minute. Uh, all of and, Kevin's friends that he talks about so nicely would, would have nothing to talk about. That's exactly right. Right. And, you wouldn't and, have nothing to bitch about. And yeah. yeah. The people like us who actually could maybe advocate for this, why would we? Like I said, this is a non-issue for me. Let them fight about it all they want. (laughs) 
Exactly. And, and you know, exactly. I got thinking, why do the four of us get together and share all these ideas with our competitors? And I, I think I know why. Because I think the four of us have probably gotten to the point where when it comes to operating trucks, we're kind of bored. We've got this figured out. Yeah. We know how to do this really profitably, and we keep working on it. So I think what we're doing is saying, hey, guys, catch up with us so we have a little bit of competition. But make us work a little harder. Yeah. It's gotten too easy. That's true. It's it, it's also just amazing to sit back and look at an industry that has all this money, all this technology, yet all this stupidity applied to it. Yeah. It's just it's just absolutely amazing when you look at it like that. You know, we've, we've got all this great equipment nowadays that's just tons better than what it used to be, despite what a lot of people oh my God, great old days. You know, the, the trucks are just so much better than what they were. And, you know, fuel efficiency in the 12 and 13 mile a gallon range on average is completely within our grasp. And we insist on driving 75 mile an hour at six miles a gallon, screwing up the capacity, driving down the rates, and then bitch because everybody's going broke because of our own stupidity. What sense does that make? Uh, none. Well, the way you just laid it out makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's crazy. It's it just is. absolutely crazy. We do it to our we do it to ourselves, and then we bitch wanting other people to fix it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, other people. That the worst one I saw that way was a fleet that that bought trucks with battery powered air conditioning, and never told the drivers they had it, and the drivers were idling the trucks <laughs> to stay warmer. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go to some calls because we've got them screened. Let's go to Kentucky. Jerry, welcome. Well, that line seems really quiet. Jerry, are you there? Huh. All right, I'm going to put Jerry back in the queue, and we're going to try Daniel in South Carolina. So the entire way Let me check home. Wendy and see what, the, the, see what Wendy's doing because, you know, if, if I put you in the wind... Um, you know, then that'll just drag the fuel economy down some more. All right, we're Travis back. Travis might only well, get eleven from, three or something. We're back from the from Beaumont. You ought to do good in the middle because it's actually a soup bowl. Remember when we were looking gotcha. at that, Joel, on my run to Laredo? Uh -huh. yep. It's actually the low point in the middle. Yep. All right, we're back. Yes, sir. So, right, about, right about that. Hold on. Right around the Mississippi. Daniel, South Carolina, you there? Yes, sir. All right, go ahead with your call. I got all, the, got all the technological issues figured out on the fly there, so we're good. That's great. What can we help you with? I was wondering what would be the best option for, I have just started in the game, I have two years of experience, and I want to learn how to be an owner-operator, or should I be a start off at the least purchase or what should I do to become a better driver and to become an owner operator? Got it. So Kevin, can I say one thing right there? I, the, I, I was just about first to say thing. You, if you're driving somebody else's truck, drive it like it's yours and keep track of all the numbers because you can see how it's going to lay out some. Yeah. My point was going to be, you've got four people on this call right now that could really help you a lot. Um, so your first step calling and that's here what I was, wanted to learn. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, I've got several ideas for you. Henry's was great. 
Absolutely. Take the truck you're running right now, pretend it's yours, track the numbers on it, try to make it as profitable as you can and learn. Um, you found this show. How long have you been listening? Not too long ago. I just think started like two days ago listening to it and I wanted to get more involved and I like the way you, you inspire me to learn and to eat better and to try everything out better, you know? Good, good. So I'm assuming you're listening on our app. Yes, sir. Did you see how many shows are there? I've been watching it. I've been listening to it on Pandora, and I've listened to over 20 shows in the past two days. Okay, it, it, good. In two days, that's awesome. Good. That's a lot of shows in two days. Um, if you have well, I've been driving, and so put on the radio and keep it going, you know? Perfect. That's excellent. And, and if you have our app instead of Pandora, on the app, you can go back and Which listen to, to every show we've done in the last year plus. All the Power Hour shows, all the Friday, you know, technology shows, all the Wednesday health shows, is listen to it all. Um, I actually have a course. I don't know if it's available right at the moment because we are shutting down one platform where we used to host all of our courses and we're moving them to our new platform. So we're in the middle of it. I never know exactly what the status is. Um, but when that's done and it will be done soon, I have an entire course on exactly what you just asked. How do you buy your first truck and do it right? And let me answer one of your questions. No, I won't answer the question. I'm going to ask you a question. You mentioned, should I start with the lease purchase? Uh, I'm going to help. I'm going to help you start to develop the proper thinking process. All right. Okay. Cause I could teach you how to do all of this stuff. So could the other three callers on here, they could, or the guests, they could teach you how to do all of this. But what I prefer to do is teach people how to learn because I, our schools do not do it. Yeah, our Which that's what I'm looking for because a lot of places don't teach you. They just put you in there and you got to go and learn on just like the law nowadays. Nobody teaches you the law. You just have to learn yeah. it. Or they, or they just what they teach us how to memorize stuff and, and memorizing things doesn't really teach us how to learn. So I'm going to start your learning yeah. process. The best way I can do that is by asking you a question. Give me one reason why you would sign a lease purchase. Uh, will be not having the funds to be able to afford a truck. Okay, good. Good answer in that you had had an answer at least, but do you know what the number one reason why businesses fail? All businesses across the board in any industry, there's always one reason why they fail more often. Do you know what it is? People are lazy and don't want to work? Nope. No, you got to get this one right because it, it's really important. We need to change your thinking. So try again. Well, one is not trying to learn, I would assume, not trying yeah, to no, learn the still industry not, and still learn not what there. you're doing to be nope, better. Still not there. Go back to your reason why you are going to sign a lease purchase and think about that. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, the number one reason all businesses fail is because they run out of money. That's the only reason to go out of business. You ran out of money. You can't stay in business because you don't have any money. So 
to start yeah, a business with no money and say, I'm going to sign a lease purchase because I'm broke is just saying I'm going to fail. Okay. So I've so said, I've said in the past, well, let me, I'll help you with this. This was a trick question. There are no reasons to sign a lease purchase. None. Zero. I don't care how good the lease purchase is. I don't care if it's the best lease purchase on the planet. And I could point you to some really good ones that that the company actually took time, wrote a good contract. It's not all one-sided. It's actually a pretty decent contract. And the reason I'm still against it is because the only people that are going to sign it are people who can't borrow or don't have enough money to buy their own truck. So no matter how good it is, you're probably still going to fail because you're not ready to be in business. Here's why. How old are you? I'm about to get pretty hard on you, so don't take it personally, all right? 30 years old. You're 30. Um, tell me I'm why. Jealous. When When did you start working? <laughs> Because by the time I was 30, I already when had 16 years experience. Yeah. I started working when I was around 15 years old. Okay. Tell me why after 15 years right. of working, you're broke. Life choices I've made. Correct. Good. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for not mm-hmm. blaming it on somebody else. You took full responsibility. That's, the broker. That's a good sign. I'm encouraged that you could become a good business owner because you have the right, you had the, you have the right answers. We just got to get you to better questions. So here's, here's what you need to focus on. You can forget about trucking knowledge right now. You can forget about trucks. You can forget about fuel economy. That's not where you should be focused right now. In fact, you should be listening to more of Dave Ramsey's shows while you're listening to mine. Do half and half. Listen to Dave Ramsey half the time because what Dave Ramsey's going to teach you is how to manage your money. And until you prove you can learn how to manage your money and manage it, you have no business being in business because you will fail. But you have the right attitude and the right mindset. So all you need is a little education and you're going to be fine. 10-4. Start with some I Dave Ramsey that. stuff. I Kevin, adding to what we were talking about and to give me something to think about that I always thought was interesting that I got out of the SBA when I was planning for two years of my business was that 80% of businesses fail within the first six months and roughly 80% of them had less than six months of planning put into them. Right. I always found that interesting. Right. Yeah. It, 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 if you start planning, you'll realize how important the money is. And you'll realize you're not ready yet. It, it, so without the planning, you never even realize how, how poor your plan is. And most of it's going to be around money. So let's solve the money problem first. Now, he, here's something a whole bunch of people out there are saying, because I've dealt with this. Well, the reason, that's why I asked you why you were broke and you had the right answer. Your bad decisions. A lot of people will answer me, well, I'm broke because I don't make enough money. That's why I want to go into business to make more money. And my answer is you can't manage the little bit you already have. Why do you think you could manage more? 
That's correct. And you can't. If you can't manage a little bit of money, you absolutely can't manage a lot. It gets much, much more difficult to manage the more you have. And going into business really complicates your financial situation. If you can't manage your personal finances as an employee, knowing you're going to get a check every week, how do you manage money when you have no idea if you're getting a check this week or not? And that's what happens in business. You don't know how much you're making. Changes every week. It can happen big time, Kevin, on that. You know, there's times where I've waited over 60 days for my money. There's times where you just don't ever get the money. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are, Big, big repairs these days that can come out of nowhere and cost you a lot of money. There was a time where, man, I'm going back now. The only thing that could break on a truck that would cost you $10,000 was an engine. How many things on a truck today can cost you $10,000? Almost everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So you're on the right track. You're asking good questions. Do you wish? Say that again. Yeah. Those wish were in the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm encouraged. So the main, the main point across here is to learn how to manage my money. And by listening to um, Dave Ramsey, as which said. Yep. Absolutely. Now, when, when you take the course that I have about becoming an owner operator, Um, The first two chapters, I do everything I can to talk you out of it. I try to talk more people out of doing this than I ever try to help do it because most people shouldn't do this. Most people are really not cut out to be business owners. We can say it's the American dream all we want. Most people are not willing to do the hard work and sacrifice as much as you need to to succeed. So I try to talk people out of this. If I, if I, Don't manage to scare you away completely in the first two chapters. Then I get into the financial part. My course will have you figure out where you are financially. And I have tests and scores and you fill things out. And once we identify where you are financially, I tell you what your odds of success are. And part of that scale is your odds of success are zero. Because I have a lot of people come to me. I I look at their numbers and I say, no. The odds of you succeeding if you tried this now are just about zero. But I'll make this statement and I'll stand behind it. If you do everything that's in that course, I'll put your odds of success at 100%. I like a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all there. All you have to do is work through the program and you will succeed. Joel, Henry, well, am, Alec, you, got, you, you guys know the numbers on this. Is there any reason to believe if you just do the right stuff that, that you will succeed at this? You certainly put the odds yeah, more in your favor. Yeah. Well, that's the plan yeah, that's you have to, to do that. So, I mean, I am 100% behind trying to better my life. And I have a family that... Uh, 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 let me stop you there. I'm going to play Kevin on this. It's like Yoda says, there is no try. There's do or do not. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. Just do it. J- just do it. No, that's perfect. You know, Nike had it right. Just do it. Do it right. 
Well, I appreciate that, guys. I really do. I like your feedback, and you open up my one mind of the to... One of the best things that you can do is just eliminate the word can't and won't from your vocabulary. Great point. And if you do that, you're, <laughs> you're going to be just fine. Yeah. And, and Kevin, I mentioned it before, but I gave I, I give the SBA quite a bit of credit, more so the person that I had right. that put me through the ringer when I was putting my business plan together. Well, you know, that that program um, you're talking about through the SBA, that's the um, the score program, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't score. Really? Uh, well, I, I forget what they called it well, back then, but I just met. Yeah, I, I just met with the same guy every week. I, it sounds like score back then, Kevin. I mean, it was so long ago. It, it is score today, and you're right, Kevin. I think back then, 50 years ago, when Henry did, went through this process, <laughs> hey, it wasn't quite that long ago. But. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't. I don't think it was formalized as the score program, but it huh. has evolved. Into I, what is known as score today. I went through it in the early 90s. Would have been like 92 or 93. I, I, had, I was already in business. I had trucks. I had this idea. There was a grocery warehouse, of all things, in Youngstown. And I used to have to take loads of um, tea over Bigelow tea with all the different flavors and it, it, this is not an exaggeration. The, now, this is P&D work. I'm supposed to have 20 stops today. That one stop would take me eight hours. So it, it got to the point wow. where we had to put that on somebody's truck, and that's all they could do that day. And it didn't pay enough to do it. It was a total nightmare. You got stuck over there. So I came up with this idea that I was going to start a company near a grocery warehouse to change this. You were going to deliver the stuff to us. And then we were going to put it on the pallets the way the consignee wanted it and take it over to them and drop it off. And, and I, I thought I had worked out some numbers, but I didn't really, you know, so I went to SCORE. And it stands for the Senior Corps of Retired Executives. That's what SCORE stands for. And what it is, it's an awesome program. Okay. It, is, it is government, so I can't believe I'm praising it. But it worked. It worked well for me. Henry, it sounds like it worked well for you. Um, I, I may join score at some point. Uh, I, I think I'm at the point well, in my well, career re- that I could be a good counselor in score now. I, I don't remember the, whether it was called score, but I do remember the guy's name. That's how influential he was to me. I wish I could see him today. If he's still yeah. alive, UJ yeah. Cozart was his name. And I remember the building. It was called the small business incubator. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, great. I, I think they're great programs. Hey. I wish more people would take advantage of them. It's one of the few things the government's done that I actually like. But if you think about it, yeah, it um, the, the people that are the counselors are are business executives. The, these aren't government people trying to tell people in business how to do business. The SBA was smart enough not to try to train their own people at this. They, it's a volunteer program. Like I said, at some point, I will probably volunteer to do this. I think I'd enjoy the hell out of it. Um, you, he, he, I remember he wore me out, Kevin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he wore me out. Well, I'll tell you what my guy did. 
my guy took enough time to go through the numbers deep and he didn't really understand trucking. He came from some other industry, but he understood business. And he, he, he helped me come to the conclusion that it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't a workable model. So that, that's a, a, another program, Daniel, for you to check out it's through the SBA. Okay. I, um, I, I learned a lot from you guys, and I appreciate you guys' knowledge. You're welcome. Keep listening. Keep calling. All right. Hell, you, I will. You, you can call Thank once you. a week, and I'll, I'll walk you right through the plan. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. <laughs> we'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Let's go to Kentucky. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, before I get to my specific question for Joel and um, Henry, I, I'm telling you, I had to pull over because I was so excited because Lisa told me the pumpkin spice nut butter will be back in stock next week. So I'm, I'm sitting on the side of the road just shaking with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the one. All right, one other, uh, one other quick thing for you, Kevin, before I get to my question. And I don't know whether you said you didn't watch the news earlier on the earlier show. You said you never watched news. So you might have missed this. But the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, took a demonstration ride in an electric car from somewhere in the Carolina to I don't know where. Anyway, she was in a publicity stunt of a demonstration uh, drive in an electric car. And the news report was a 911 call from a Walmart somewhere in, I think, Georgia, where a lady with an electric car was calling 911 because there was a gas-powered automobile blocking a charging station that she needed. And the story came out that it was one of Jennifer Granholm's staff members blocking that electric charging station so that when she got there, she wouldn't have to wait to charge her car. No And way. That, I'm dead serious. That was on no the news. Way. Yes, that was on the Fox News, and they, they played the 911 call, and it was a whole, yeah, I'm dead serious, Kevin. I thought you'd get a chuckle out of Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, you can't uh, make this shit up, no, Kevin. No, you can't. You are right. Kevin, on that note, I charged an EV vehicle with my solar panels off my truck at the truck show. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> there you go. Hey, real quick. Um, I, I forget about this, so it's a good thing I have a team listening. Uh, Lisa's screening calls today, so she reminded me of this. We do still sell the physical program that I was talking about, the course. So originally when I wrote this a while back, we, we sold this as a physical program with DVDs and a workbook. That is still available. So, Daniel, you should go to our store at letstruck.com and buy that physical course. Um, the the online course is the one we're in the middle of moving over and we may not have access to it right now but we do still have some copies of the physical program we're not ever buying any more of them so when we run out we run out so if somebody wants the physical copy they should head over to the store and get it let's truck.com all right go ahead yeah, I think I bought a lad uh, uh, that course one time. I ran into a guy at a shipper, and he was asking me all about being an owner-operator, and it was one of those situations where I didn't have time enough to answer all these questions. And I said, here, here's a good program, and I even I bought and sent it to him, I believe. So What a good guy. 
That's about a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, I don't even remember. I don't know where happened that lad. I communicated with him for a little while. But anyway, off to my question for uh, Joel and Henry. I, I've got a two-pronged question for each of you. And, and when I get my question, Henry, you go first and Joel can finish up. My question is, is through Freightliner or Volvo, either one, does either one of the companies offer any kind of a security system factory installed, or do you either one of you have a security system on your truck, or what's your thoughts on uh, security systems, and, and uh, either one of them offered as a factory installation? Not really. The closest they got, they got a panic button that you can push in the sleeper. Uh, other than that, the uh, vehicle tracking that goes through Detroit Connect, you could know where the truck went if somebody took it, but an actual security system? No, not that I know of. So if the lot lizard does you wrong, you can hit a panic button. Is that what you're saying? Basically. And I actually got okay. a call the other day from somebody that hit the button by accident and <laughs> could, didn't know how to shut it off. And they were waking okay. up the whole parking lot. <laughs> I can, oh, I God, can imagine. Nice. So. All right. I just was curious. For All right, Joel. Yeah, we're basically the same way. We have the panic button in the back. We can lock the the, the doors and stuff from the sleeper. There's a, a like power what? lock button back there. But uh, yeah, there's you know you got your your tracking the same that that Freightliner has that they could see the truck in the event that somebody took it. But uh, no, no real security system like you would find on a car. So is any any as far as any cameras et cetera et cetera, you'd all have to put it on aftermarket then. Sure. Okay. That answered the question. You know, let me let me give you if you wanted something like that, your best bet to to start a security system might be something as simple as like the the Garmin um, camera that attaches right to your Garmin GPS with forward looking but also it can monitor inside the cab now i I don't want to monitor while somebody's driving that's not what i'm talking about but that camera can be used as a security system while it's parked kevin on 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 that my uh my uh motive dld that as well yeah and it yeah. could be used that way. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is, is is in the beginning, I might just look at something that's out there that already has a camera that has a double use. And then if you want to add a couple cameras, you might be able to. But honestly, if somebody's right. going to do something to your truck, they're probably going to try to get inside and steal something. I guess the other thing you might want to monitor if well, good would let- be fuel tanks. Let me just share with you real quickly why that came up. I think it was the trucker had some sort of a Facebook post, uh, um, the trucker magazine. How do you, how, uh, do you feel safe at a truck stop? And one lad got on there and he was all pissed off at a truck stop because he had lost some fuel at a truck stop and he thought it was a hundred percent the truck stop's fault for not having security. And I got into a kind of a major discussion with him and said, look, you, you know, what are you doing to protect yourself exactly. first? Right. And he just thought, no, no, it was a truck stop's fault because they don't have security anymore. So my question was, was what was he doing proactively to, to secure his truck and obviously the question was nothing so that prompted my question to joel and henry both as to what's available commercially installed and it would have that that answered the question it'd have to be something aftermarket which i've already got cameras i got locking fuel caps and you know yeah i I, I, i'm just curious was that a broker load (laughs) 
I mean, do I put that on my P&L as a broker fraud? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, Alec, I, it reminded me when you were talking when you were talking about that. Reminded me, wasn't it the movie Animal House where that professor was saying, you know, what your what your grade was was zero point zero. You know, that's your I, cost I, of broker fraud. I, yeah, exactly. I'm more yeah. in favor, honestly, on this issue. I'm more in favor of low tech rather than crazy cameras and wireless systems and <laughs> you know Bluetooth that's going to disconnect when you need it. And you, 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 for some reason, your camera didn't record something. That always seems to be the case. Um, for me, if this were a problem, locking fuel caps on the fuel issue pretty much takes care of that. Nobody's going to mess with a truck with locking fuel caps when 99% of the trucks don't have them. So get a good quality cap, keep the keys clean, you know, take care of the yep. lock so it doesn't jam up on you. And you're done with the fuel issue. Nobody's going to steal your fuel. I used to use a really low tech solution on my cars for this. And trucks don't have locking steering columns. Trucks are the easiest vehicle on the road to steal these days. Do you know what the, the low tech solution we used to use on all of our cars so they didn't get stolen? We just take it across the steering wheel. Wasn't it a bar across the steering wheel? No, nah, we yeah. went even a, a little, that's one way we went, a, a, I guess a little more high tech, but still pretty simple. I took the hot ignition wire and in a car, a lot of them run right behind the glove box, so this was a good place to do it. In the back of the glove box, we would run the wire past there, cut it, put two posts through the glove box itself, and put little metal contacts on them, and you would just stick a magnet on it. And the magnet would make the contact between those two posts. And when you parked, you just took the magnet and stuck it in your pocket, and nobody would even realize what that was, but the car would not start. That's pretty You know, with all electronics on a truck today, I'm not sure I, I'm going to take that chance on that. Yeah, I haven't tried it on a, I, but I, I, it's still a pretty simple fix. I mean, all we have to do is take the hot wire off the ignition. It, it's a pre, I don't think we'd be messing with any well, yeah. other electronics. No, Probably not. just a so, relay wire. Yeah, if that hot wire can't make contact, right, was, the vehicle's not starting. It's pretty simple. Well, I've calmed down enough. I can start driving again, Kevin, so I'll let you go. Thank you very much for your information. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, bye. All right. Um, I think I've got another call in the queue here. Let me refresh and see if it's screened. Um, Lisa, go ahead and screen that last call. I'll take it since we've got it on the board. Uh, I turned the phones off so we won't get any new ones, but go ahead and screen that last one and we'll take that. See if Lisa's listening and paying attention. She may have already quit. We're at 11 o'clock. Uh, She's out with the chickens. She might, she might be. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to pull it right out of the queue before we get it screened. And I think I know who it is. Uh, Rulin, welcome. It's okay, Kevin. It's only me. Did I get it right? Yes. All right. What's yes, on your you mind did. today? I have three of your scan gauges all chained together from previous trucks I've owned. And nice. I don't even know how to use these fields like you talk about. I because it's on the dash never worked in these old international. 
funny help figuring out how to use these. Okay. So, uh, and also on fuel gauges, I'm truck one nine five two four two. Okay. Um, let's start with the scan gauge. There's lots of ways to use the scan gauge. Hey, Joel, are you listening? I am. Uh, I, I'm going to turn you off so you don't hear this. Okay. <laughs> we can use the scan gauge for boost. If you have a truck where watching your boost is important, um, we can use obviously the instant fuel economy. And that's the one that we really spent all of our time on. The instant fuel economy reading on the scan gauge KR was the big, big difference. Um, all of the devices on the market tend to read every second. And in my experience, the, the fuel mileage gauges that were in the truck changed so fast that you couldn't respond to anything and learn anything. So we worked on this and we ended up creating a rolling seven second average. So the, the computer's always looking at the last seven seconds and averaging it out and smoothing it out. And that allows you to make changes to the way you drive and see the increase or decrease, whatever was happening. So that's the primary number you're going to look at. We, we put in some pretty damn cool stuff in there that a lot of people don't use because it's not as user-friendly as I'd like it to be. But you know, we explain how to use it. There's a setting on the scan gauge KR that allows you to put in the rate you have on this load and then watch your profit per mile after fuel. That's what you're going to be watching. That's the number. It's going to take your rate and it's going to take your fuel economy instantly and your fuel cost on your last tank and show you what your profit is at each speed while you're driving. That helps the, with the concept of the higher your rate is, the faster you might want to drive to get there on time, but still manage fuel economy. And if you're not in a hurry or the rate isn't good, this one helps you understand that, no, you should not be going 75 miles an hour on this load. You're going to lose money. So that's a good one to watch. You can watch um, throttle position even. You know, where, where is your throttle position as you're going through the gears and what's the, the fuel economy? So there are a lot of ways to use this. Anybody on here that's used the scan gauge have any favorites? I look at um, instant and average fuel economy. Yeah. Since the last yeah. reset. Yep, those, those are the, the two most important. So those two I always had up. Um, you have three gauges, so you can be actually watching 12 things at once. I, I'm not even sure if there really are 12 things I watch. All right. All right. Does that help? It does. And I would definitely get a rooster. I think chicken eggs taste better if there's a rooster around. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. And then some other people say, oh, you don't want a rooster because then you have to worry about the eggs. Well, well, what's there to worry about? They're fertilized. So what? <laughs> yeah, I think it's more natural. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I'm in the market for a rooster. I've had a lot of offers, but they're clear across the country, and I'm not 
I don't think I need yep. to ship a rooster across the country. There's got to be plenty around here somewhere. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. You're welcome. All right. We are done with calls. The show's just about over. Anybody want to close with anything? We've come a long way. We have covered a lot of ground. That's today. been my thought. That's been my thought. <laughs> well, no, that's been my thought all week. I, I had got a hold of somebody on the CB because I saw part of their load was coming loose, and it was kind of an interesting week. I was in retrospect all week since then, and right after that, the movie, uh, the the song "Convoy" came across my radio, and it made me think about when I decided that I wanted to kind of get into this industry at 14 years old. <laughs> yeah, that was a ways ago. <laughs> so my thought is believe in yourself, uh, have confidence in yourself and your decisions, and don't rely on a government or a group of people to make decisions for your business. You're, you're an independent for a reason, and um, I, I don't know. I just see it in the industry, Kevin, kind of like you do, that it's, just everybody wants to organize and basically be a glorified employee, and I, I don't quite understand that. You know, I, I, I agree with you on this, and I think some people have a hard time even distinguishing that, that what we do here, we come together as business owners, we share all kinds of things, we're helping our competitors. To me, that's not organizing, not at all. It's, it's almost the opposite of organizing. We're, we're trying to help people be more independent and better at what they do. And and I, I think we have a good motive for doing it. I think the better the people in the industry are, the better the industry will be. And if we're, if we're so... Huge difference. Yeah, go ahead. Huge difference between organizing and education. Yes. What we're doing is education. So there's a big, big, big difference between the two. And in fact, I think a lot of people organize because they don't want to educate themselves. I think you're right. It's the easier you know, just, way out. Just, just right. a thought. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. I agree with you, Joel. Joel. But Joel, you got to be really careful if you listen to your load planner too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, organizing within the company is different than organizing among companies. You know, <laughs> correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. You know, let, 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 let's take an example of, um, you know, we have two reasonably good sized associations for owner operators and small carriers. Then we have a bunch of little ones. I, I've seen dozens of these things come and go over the years. I tried to start one myself. Um, the two two big ones we could say in the industry, one's very well known, one's not that well known. Um, they both, can, I, I have a feeling, so we're talking about OIDA and NASTIC. Um, I think that OIDA prob, or NASTIC probably has more power units as members than OIDA does. OIDA has about 160,000 members, I think they claim, but I've never seen a breakdown of how many actually own trucks. I've never seen them say, we our members control this many power units. So I don't know what that number is, but it's probably less than 160,000, because I have a feeling there's an awful lot of dry employee drivers that belong to OIDA. NASTIC, on the other hand, has about yes. 15,000 individual accounts, 
but they have about 180,000 power units. So I have a feeling that when it comes right down to it, Nastic is probably bigger than Owida, but you'd never know it. When we talk about mindset, this is the best example. I have said forever, um, Owida's business model, and it works for them, just doesn't work for me. Their business model to me has always been everybody is out to screw you as an owner-operator, and if you join us, we'll screw mm-hmm. them back. That Correct. to me seems to like that that's yeah. the mindset, yep. and it's always been that way, it seems like. And on the other yeah, hand... I, I agree. They, they, they want to have a villain out there to, it, to be able to go out and crusade. We're going to save you they, from this evil villain here. You don't need to think about it. You don't have to figure it out. We're your savior. Just pay us. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get a kick out of that. The next, I know you, you, um, you know, Mike Roth pretty well. The next time you talk to him, Mm -hmm. ask ask him about this. So Mm -hmm. I remember when I saw the first press release that NACFI was being formed and I was interested. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about it. Here's a whole group getting ready Mm -hmm. to do what I've been talking about for years. So I immediately contacted them and I said, hey, I see you're putting this group together and you're going to have your first meeting. And their first meeting was going to be in Denver. And I lived in Colorado Mm -hmm. at the time. And I said, I would like to help represent the owner operators in this. I see you've got big companies like UPS and Kenworth and great. You've got these big fleets. I said, I'd like to represent the owner-operator. And they said, oh, we already got that covered. Owida's going to be there. I said, oh, well, all right. Um, you know, let's stay, in, let, let's, let's stay in touch. Yeah, I know. Um, let's stay in touch because I'm really interested in what you're doing. So later on. I don't think that ended up happening. Oh, they were there at the first meeting. They absolutely were. Oh, at the meeting? Yeah. At the meeting, I meant in the first run on last. Oh, yeah. oh, no, they were, I, I don't know all of the details. Of, I was told a couple things, but here's the way the first meeting went. The group gets together and starts talking about ideas on how to improve fuel economy. And do you know what Oida's response was? It's all they, about the you got rate. a good enough rate, you don't have to worry about it. I, they, now they, oh they, they were a little bit... <laughs> No, here was their response. Well, all this stuff you're talking about to improve fuel economy costs money, and our members can't afford this stuff. Wait a minute. Talk about a victim mentality. Are you kidding me? You're going you're gonna to come to a group that's here to improve efficiency and freight, and you're going to whine that your members can't afford this? Maybe you should have some education so your members aren't so damn ignorant. Well, then you can, then you can open the magazine up, and, and there'll be an article on how to make your truck less efficiency and spend money to do it. <laughs> This is the the thing with these these types of groups. There there has to be a villain yeah. in order for them to be relevant. Yeah, and you're with, exactly without right. that that villain, there's 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 no relevance. So they'll latch onto something they know that this is not a real popular subject amongst their members. So they're going to villain no red meat. and say, "Look, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save you guys from these these idiots that want you to get better fuel efficiency and control your cost. Yeah, because that costs too much money for you to do, and we're gonna save you from them." Yeah. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah. So it, it you know, that backward that same mindset we're talking about at the individual level. If you have this mindset that you're a victim and this is everybody else's fault, I don't know how to help people like that. When we get a caller like we just had today, brand new, doesn't know anything, but every time I asked him a question, he took full responsibility for everything I asked him. Wasn't that great? It's one of the ways that you really know who you're talking to. So you, you get to talking to folks in the trucking industry. The majority of them can give you 25 reasons why the industry sucks, but they can't give you one why this is the place to be. And that is the problem. You know, it, it goes back to can't won't, you know, or, it just, it's, uh, it's, it's depressing. <laughs> or if, if, if you can rattle off 25 problems, how about a couple of solutions? Give us a couple solutions exactly. to all these things you think are problems. And please, please government intervention. We were all ready have, to have jump in. The, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the anti-government's ready for more government intervention. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Somebody you gotta love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I just love it when the title of their space is MAGA. Make America great again. And what they're talking about in the space is limiting brokers profit. You gotta yeah, love that. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I would love, it, you know, since they're so big on the MAGA label, I, I'd love for them to ask, you know, their their leader of the MAGA mission what he thinks of that kind of business practice. How do you think Trump feels about that kind of a business practice? Let me ask you a question, Kevin. What yeah. What's the group? Actually, is there a group <laughs> that represents brokers? Yes. The TIA. Oh, the okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. why isn't this group? Why aren't they engaging the group that represents brokers and sitting down and having some discussions with them and working with them directly? Screw the government. Work with them directly and come up with some solutions. How about that? Yeah. I have an How answer. How hard for would it. that be? Get them on the phone. Oh, they don't want to. You know why? That's the They're, answer. Here's their answer. It, ta- it takes away the reason for re- right. on debt. Right, but here's what they'll say. They are crooks, and they're the problem. They just want them to go away. They think if that group just and goes away, everything they, will be fine. They know because they would do such they, a good job on their own of finding their own yeah. customers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they need to direct They're obviously engaged. doing it so well right now. Until that group, until this group, this trucking group, directly engages the brokers group, there should be no credibility, period. Nobody should listen to a damn thing they have to say. I've offered to make that happen. I have a really good relationship with the TIA. Yeah, you're not even willing to engage the group in a one-on-one discussion. And you may hate their guts. But you should still have that discussion, and you would be the perfect moderator hey, for that type of it, discussion. And, and well, this, well, is, this is how things wait. get done. Let, let me tell you how bad mm-hmm. this is. That I can't believe you brought this up. So one of the things about my show from day one, the first day I was ever on Sirius, actually it was XM back then, the first mm-hmm. day I was on the air, my phone lines filled up, they stayed filled up, and I never have an open phone line. I mean, that, that's always been the way it is. I never have problems getting calls, except 
mm-hmm. one show that I tried, one show. I've I've dropped the show mm-hmm. two or three times because I can't get enough people to call in. Do you know what the show is? Well, I, do, do you know what that show is? Uh, that with, I can't get brokers. calls about. It's it was called Broker Connect, and it was designed to do exactly what you were saying. Let's get carriers to talk to brokers about something other than negotiating a load right now. Let's talk about other things away from the negotiations. And it's the only segment I've ever tried that I couldn't get enough calls to do a show. Here's what I think the dynamic in play here is that it has been driven into the psyche of most owner operators that brokers are just damn evil people. Yeah. And you cannot trust them no matter what. And I'm not even going to talk to these sons of bitches because they're just pure evil. And your phone call numbers reflect that. Right. And and this is something that I think you would have to bring. You'd have to bring these brokers to the table with with a with a, a pre-selected group. Uh, you know, Alec would be a great guy to engage with with a broker back and forth. You know, he understands the business. He understands the money part of it. Let people listen to that discussion, and then you start to get the feeling that hey, these people aren't so evil. Maybe it's okay to talk to them. But if I talk to them, I'm going to get crucified out here in the. And I think it's that bad. I think it's the point where yeah. it's that damn bad. And so, you know, you would, you would need to have a, a pre-selected group of people to have this conversation, to engage with brokers, and just shit, sit down and shoot the shit and talk about trucking from the broker's perspective and from uh, the owner-operator's perspective. And it, it's going out to break that barrier down. Joel and Alec, I'll speak out of turn with that, but... I'd be willing to entertain doing a show with a broker. We're bringing it back. We're we're in the works on it now. We we've um, we're actually back partnering with truckstop.com. We had a, they canceled me back when the whole People. thing yeah, the whole thing happened, and you know we we've kind of renegotiated a new deal, and it, it we're just finishing it up now. So we'll we'll be bringing. Um, our show back rates and lanes where we go through the rates every week and talk about what's happening. And we're going to bring back broker connect uh, because truck stop was a big part of that. They made it easy for us. They, they go out and find the brokers cause they have tons of access to brokers. So they were a part of the show. And then we did get the TIA involved and I had the TIA president come on one of our broker connect shows and talk and we could get them back anytime we want. I just can't seem to get a lot of interaction on the show, but we're not giving up. Hey, it's it, uh, Joel, it's interesting what you just brought up. There was a post this morning. I'm going to read it. Um, here was the post. Brokers are real people. Carriers are real people. Not all brokers are bad and not all carriers are good. Not all carriers are bad and not all brokers are good. Now that we've got that situated, we can move on to business. I, I, that's kind of a point we have to get across. To people. <laughs> Nobody's evil here. Right? We're just all people. We're all out running a business, trying to do the same thing, make as much money as we can, be efficient, serve our customers. Um, I, I thought that was a good post. Does, does anybody recognize this guy's name? Um, Adam Wingfield. Anybody familiar with him? Mm-hmm. I've heard the name. So I, I think he's not real active on Twitter, but when I do see him post and I've been interacting with him, he's got really good stuff. It, it looks like he does a lot of small carrier education. 
I think he probably does it on YouTube or someplace else, but I think I'm going to go look this guy up a little bit, maybe invite him on the show, because what, what I've been seeing that he posts on I Twitter is really good stuff. I just did, Kevin. He is uh, the founder of Innovative Logistics Group. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Worked for several organizations in transportation industry, developing leadership potential, blah, blah, blah. He was fortunate to work with companies such as Schneider National. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the kiss of death. Hey, Joel, you, 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 you and him should be buddies, uh, right? <laughs> that, that is the you know? orange plague right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. so so he obviously knows something about the industry, and he was with McLean Food Service Distribution. So, you know, he actually knows a thing or two. I, the stuff he posts looks, he re- yeah, it looks so, really good. I, I think I'm going to reach out to him and, and maybe get him to come on the show. He, he, may not be, he may not be under the impression that White Line Fever and Convoy were not National Geographic documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, there you go. I think we're going to wrap this up for today. We covered a lot of ground. It was good stuff. Thank you, guys. You know, that was real encouraging, that caller that called in, though. I mean, he definitely got pointed in the right direction. I thought that that the, was worth being on the show alone I, for that. I, I, yeah, the, the entire three and a half hours today is worth it for that one call. We, we need more people like that in the industry. Absolutely. All right. Great stuff, guys. We will do it again next week. We'll see you back here on Monday. As far as I know, it's a normal schedule for next week. I'll keep you updated as we go. Uh, Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.